3: T's and C's apply in South Wales, authorisation number TP slash 01005 Summer Days on SENZ It's Kiwi for Sport
2: Good morning and welcome to SNZ Summer Days. It's 10.03 with Stephen McIver and a busy little day today. Shortly we go live to Rhode Island and talk to former America's Cup skipper and President of North Sales Kenny Reid about the flip-flop decision by American Magic to rejoin with the New York York Club and enter the 37th America's Cup. Kevin Hickland will wrap the National Bowls tourney from Christchurch. At 11, our premier road cyclist George Bennett on what lies ahead with his new job in the world's number one one team. Phoenix Women's Vice Captain Katie Talley joins us to discuss a a struggle season and Dan Shamir talks about the breakers finally bagging their first win of the season. Moana Pacifica are in training for Super Rugby Assistant Coach Philo Tia Tia joins us and we'll talk also cycling again after one with Black Spoke Team Manager Scott Guyton and we'll wrap the day with Doug Bollinger and his read on the drawn ashes test. But the America's Cup is now up to four challenges, that's right four, for the 37th edition wherever that will be held. Anyos, Britannia, Eleni, Luna Rossa, and now American Magic backed by the New York Yacht Club. Surprisingly? Well, I say surprisingly because at one stage, the New York Yacht Club were going to back stars and stripes. Why the flip-flop? To answer the questions, former America's Cup skipper, President of North Sales, and also member of the New York Yacht Club, Kenny rejoins joins us. Afternoon, Kenny.
5: Hello, my friends. How are you today?
2: Yeah, we are good. So, does it come as a surprise to you that the New York Yacht Club are back in the game?
5: Oh, no, not at all. The New York Yacht Club is synonymous with the Americans Cup. So, yeah, there was a little confusion there for a while. Um, you, you, I, I heard in your uh, opening you called it a flip-flop. I, I, you know, I, I think everybody... When something happens like what happened to American Magic in New Zealand, there has to be there has to be doubt. There has to be some sort of falling out, and then there has to be some sort of rebuild. And, and I give Hap Fouth and Doug DeVos a ton of credit for wanting to come back. They're the principal uh, money backers behind the team. Um, I think they looked at all of their options. I think the, America's, uh, the sorry, the New York Out Club looked at all of their options. And at the end of the day, they figured that um, their marriage was the strongest one, and so good for them for, for not for you know not kind of holding the grudge and, and let's get it going again.
2: But Ken, why would that one stage say we're going to back stars and stripes?
5: Well, I, I think after the cup was over, after the entire cup was over, uh, there was a there was a real serious uh, set of of uh, kind of look within, right? So they hired outside resources. They they did it from within the, the group itself to figure out what went wrong. What can we do better? Where was our fatal flaws? And the New York Yacht Club did the same. The New York Yacht Club kind of did their own version of, of, uh, of, of kind of digging deep within. And so did American Magic. Remember, they were two different entities. They happened to come together uh i guess all yacht come together in america's cup as a marriage of convenience so at the end of the day um both i I, would like to think came to their senses because frankly it's a natural it's a natural fit um it was a shame that it broke up to begin with but maybe they're stronger because of it because they had to go back and kind of look at themselves and look in the mirror uh even that much harder
2: so there's talk of change coming on. There's still a question mark over Dean Barker. Uh, the talk, and as always, there's talk that Paul Goodison will be one of the key, if not the key helmsman. Where do you see Terry Hutchinson? I remember during the America Cup, you were, you were quietly saying he shouldn't be on the boat. You know, he should be just running it from the, from a shore, the shore. What do you think Terry will do in the 37th? Well, listen,
5: ter- Terry is still in charge I, I think he calls I think he's the president of operations something like that president of sailing operations w- what that means and whether he is on the boat or not on the boat that's uh, I, I frankly don't know I'm not sure he he knows if I were if I were a betting man I'd bet no um, listen this is a young man's game uh, they're paring down the crew the crews are gonna be smaller uh, you know, it's, it's a young man's game. You witnessed it. You sat right next to me for a long time, watching these guys grind themselves into submission. Uh, so, so what? You know, Dean Barker. I don't think w- will be a part of this. I, um, I, I would be very, very surprised. Uh, and at the same time, is it Goodison? You know, there's a there's a lot of really good foiling tailors out there, and you, you just. Who's who's the person with the nerves of steel that you want to hand the keys to your project over to? And and I'm sure that that they're looking at d- uh, different options and and I'm sure they're going to be really thorough. And guess what? At this, one of the mistakes they made last time is they didn't have a backup. So I, I think they're going to have one or two uh, options available to them. Therefore, at the end of the day, they can make the best decision internally as to who their, their who their skipper is going to be.
2: I hear they've lost their chief designer. He's already been poached from a lingi. Uh, and I know when you looked at the boat, you thought it, it was quick, but it wasn't quite right.
5: Well, they, they've hired uh, a, a friend of my old friend of mine who I've known since we were young kids, Scott Ferguson. Scott Ferguson ran, um, <clears throat> ran the uh, Oracle uh, wing project for a couple of America's Cups, and then he ran the entire design team during the cup in Bermuda. He's in charge of the overall design team. Scott's a smart guy. He obviously has management skills. You don't get hired by Oracle to run their design program um, without management skills. So he's putting together this new team. I think I've heard, I've heard numbers, something like 25 people already within that team. How much of uh, the team information they still have, how much goes with team? these are things that, frankly, we'll never know the answer to. But it's really, uh, you know, it's fascinating. It's part of the intrigue of the whole thing, isn't
2: it? Yeah, and, and, well, of course, there was an issue with they were the only team that didn't use North Sales, So now you've got a mate in the hunt. He's in the design team. I'm assuming North Sales will be uh, on American Magic in the 37th?
5: <laughs> well, ne- never say never, my friend. Definitely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we, I think not just the, the, from a sale making standpoint, but it's really a technology race, right? And the software, what the teams fo- found incredibly valuable last time are software packages that all talk to each other, that work with each other, that, that integrate with each other. So I, 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 listen, these guys are doing their, their homework. I know for sure they're doing their homework, their, are thorough analysis. And uh, yeah, I hope at the end of the day we, we can get it. yeah we can be a part of this whole thing. I, I hope, but uh, yeah, no, no, nothing 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 is set in stone.
2: Hey Kenny, how nervous would you be knowing that a, Ling- a Red Bull Racing is in the game?
5: Well, I <laughs> <laughs> I'd be terrified. Are, are you kidding me? I mean, let's be serious. You got the two most powerful, technologically driven. Uh, sports programs in the world in Mercedes and Red Bull, all of a sudden are your arch rivals in the America's Cup? It, I, I, this is a whole nother level, man. It is, it is a whole nother level. And, and if I were Emirates Team New Zealand, you're sharp, you're organized, you have some really smart guys but man oh man is this is this another step is this another big jump in the in the technology race when it comes to making flying sailboats go fast so i i tell you what this is intriguing and the red bull edition and and i'll tell you the mercedes you know the indios mercedes team they are they are really organized and uh, they, did, they learned a lot this last time. Let's put it that way. And, you know, they're not going to be... These, these these teams are coming back with vengeance. The,
2: the other part of this, though, it also creates a new audience, right?
5: Well, I hope so. I, I really... The European audience is such a big part of the America's Cup. Um, it, between the Formula... You know, between the Formula One teams getting involved, all of, their, all of the technology behind their teams um uh, the capability the analytics the analysis capabilities behind those teams then you combine it with the fact is where is this where is this thing going to be held you know i should be asking you the questions now you know as uh, as a Kiwi, where where's this thing going to be held? What's the latest down
2: there? <laughs> well, actually, I was going to ask you the same question because you're for, you know you're you're the <laughs> you're the international correspondent here, and I, I mean I'm I'm hearing I keep hearing Cork as is a, as a as close, but uh, that's all I hear, and not, you'll never get anything out of Emirates Team New Zealand quite rightly. I mean, where would you like? I mean, Malaga in Spain has popped up now. Where would you, from a sailing perspective, want to sail it?
5: Well, I, I, I am uh, contractually uh, obligated through m- the, my marriage. My, if I don't say, uh, if right in front of my wife, who's standing right here, that we want to come back to New Zealand, she'll <laughs> kick me in the teeth. Because she had... She had more fun. She had more fun in New Zealand than, than anybody can. Well, that's so I'm, that, I'm trying to protect
2: that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, you got married here, right? So that's why she loves it for a start, uh, and that's that's good to see. But uh, where would you, if from Cork, Cork, uh, Spain, uh, you know, where, where where would you want to, do? where would you really want to sail it? Because it's not going to be in New Zealand.
5: You don't think it's going to be an incident, No, not, not a chance
2: not a chance I don't see yeah, that I still at all
5: think I still think there's a ch- I, I still think there's a chance oh, I, I, I really do oh so you so, uh, you, so I, you've, I really you've got the
2: inside that. all somewhere else. you know something that I don't know no
5: no 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 I, I I would love to be able to say that I have the inside information <laughs> but I, I don't know I just the, the, the kiwi blood is so thick and to take it out of there I I know it's their way to fund the team. I, I know that funding, you know, whether it's the Emirates stuff is m- maybe gone or whatever. I just hope at the end of the day, there's nothing like an America's Cup that you can bring home. You know, that's an emotional thing. You know, for, for that would be tough for that team to have to go defend in, in, in Europe. Now, if it does go to Europe, guess what? For the America's Cup, could it be better because it has a broader audience because it's on – you know, a a time zone that the rest of the world can watch a little more clearly for, from a television standpoint. Uh, of course, you know, of course. So, so I guess, so the, the sailor, the the businessman sailor in me says, Hey, Europe would be great, but the emotional, I've been following the America's cup since I was a little kid. God, it would be a shame if it wasn't back in New Zealand.
2: Yeah, no, it would be, and uh, our good friend Nathan Outeridge. What a pickup that was by Emirates Team New Zealand.
5: Pretty interesting, um, quite interesting. You know what? I haven't. You know, I, I have some tough questions for Nathan. I, I purposely <laughs> haven't uh, called him and <laughs> the two. The two of us should sit down and grill him. You know, we'll get Shirley and the three of us can just grill him, and, and, and so he and we can make him cry for sure. But I mean, does this mean are, are they? Yeah, are the Kiwis covering their bases yep. here. Yeah, I, mean,
2: I, I, I think you've I think you've read that perfectly. Uh, there is still no signature on no. board uh, for Tuke and Burling, and I think they're definitely covering their bases on that one. And it was a, a smart move, not good for us from a television perspective, but probably a very shrewd move by Emirates Team New Zealand.
5: Yeah, I, I, I can't I can't disagree. And uh, you know they're, they're sailing a lot. The, those guys are still they're out foiling every day in some form or fashion uh slingsby w- did a regatta in these these 16 footers last week with with uh nathan in in um in, in somewhere in australia and you know it's just these young kids are are certainly they're, they're pushing it they're pushing the envelope hard they're they're making there's a there's a there's a, there's a short list of really talented sailors that are becoming more and more obvious by the day as to the person that you need involved in your program to push this boat as hard as it needs mm. to be pushed because this is this is nerves of steel stuff right this is this is for us mere mortals this is scary scary stuff and and you got to have nerves of steel to be able to push the hammer down as hard as they need to
2: all right, Kenny. I know Melissa's probably staring in the eye, saying, "Come on, we've got something to do." It's Sunday afternoon. We've got, we've got it. We've got either got a lunch date or a golf date, or I want you to take me out on the cruiser. So, uh, Matt, as always, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your time. Uh, my love to the beautiful wife, Melissa, and here's hoping we can catch up soon. My problem, my uh,
5: my pleasure, anytime, my friend.
2: All right, there you go, Ken Reed. Uh, probably one of the the smartest minds. At, at, in the world sailing, when it when it comes to understanding the America's Cup, having uh, raced for the New York Yacht Club on two occasions, and uh, I have to say, was a very good mentor to me in uh, America's Cup commentary in the thirty sixth America's Cup. But boy, he know they just it's in their veins. When you sail the America's Cup, it is in their veins. Got married on the sixteenth tee at Cape Kidnappers while he was out here as well uh, to his lovely wife Melissa. So that's why Melissa wants to come back. Cause uh, she just liked this place. So much, in fact, she' was trying to drag him to come and live here at some stage, but i don't think that's going to happen when you're president of one of the largest, if not largest sale making uh, company in the world it's amazing John when you i know you've, you've got a bit of a croaky throat this morning, John, but uh, when you talk about sale technology, a lot of that stuff that you see on the the big the big ocean going races and all those big gray sails are all north Sails, the process is amazing it 's all 3D printing now. And Ken's involved in that, is he? Well, he just runs the company. Wow, he runs the company. It's um, but yeah. American Magic don't use his. They, they, sales. Did, they didn't. No, they didn't. They they use the opposition sales. Well, hence my question. Now that the chief designer is an old friend of his, one would suggest that they'll <laughs> they'll join the club like every other mates' rates. Uh, what I know, I, I, he told me this amazing story. Uh, a, sw- a Swedish billionaire was build had bought two catamarans. I think I can come because there's no names involved here. And he said, it was amazing. I said, so what sort of coin are we talking? And this Swedish billionaire didn't even blink and dropped $15 million just for sales. There So, And Ken, John, has always said to me quite openly, the America's Cup is a billionaire's game. So make no bones about that. So, If Emirates Team New Zealand are struggling to find the money, it is no wonder that they have to go offshore. But as you said, he would rather it be here because of the emotional connection that the team has with the country and also just from the America's Cup perspective. But as you and I both know, there are... are, Divergent opinions on them staying or going. Because absolutely,
3: yeah, and like when other teams have Mercedes and Red Bull backing them as well, don't Team New Zealand need as
2: much money as they can possibly get? They do, and I, I, I wouldn't shrink away and say our design teams are as good as any of them but it's that extra resource to find that little bit extra speed in these flying boats, of which they are. It's amazing. So there you go. Uh, just some thoughts from Ken Reed, former America's Cup skipper and president of North Sowers, on American Magic rejoining with the New York Yacht Club. It was January the 20th, this time last year. It was uh, so in 10 days' time when American Magic um, caps, capsized and put a rather large hole and we were there doing it, and I've never seen someone. And it was really interesting. This is a really interesting, interesting story from the commentary perspective. So it all happened very quickly. And, the most, and Kenny kept pointing at the screen saying, I'm going, what do you mean? He, he mouthed to me, count the crew members. So he wasn't worried about the boat. You know, the boat could have – and everybody was quite surprised how quickly it was going down. He was worried – that they were gonna lose crew. I think you had to count to twelve. And he was counting them. But I have never seen a, a co commentator go white as a sheet. Because A most importantly, A is a sailor, and B it was his club, the New York Club. Now he was, you know, clean as mud. He was never biased either way. But, you know, suddenly you saw the sailor and the oh, I can remember this vividly, and then we found out later that Terry Hutchinson had actually been caught under the mainsail and had to be cut out. So Terry Hutchinson was, you know, who was the running running the show and grinding, uh, could, could have lost his life, but they cut him out. They got him out, and and you know, we're, and we're talking, we're not talking, we're talking minutes, but very in that f- very first stage. So. Yeah, it's uh, one of the great, one of the greats. Well, isn't it funny how bad news can always be a great story? But uh, but but well, all,
3: all's well that ends well. Right, the like, team New Zealand came round, eh, to to oh. help out to help them out. It was it was a cool moment because it's so cutthroat in America's Cup and it's like dog eat dog. But in that moment, yep, there was actually some teamwork. Completely, yeah, it was uh, cool. You,
2: you were so right about that one, and it doesn't matter, you know, at what level you're you're competing in. Uh, the teams looked after the team, so yeah interesting times. 10.21, have you got some thoughts on that? 0800 150811 that's 0800 150811. still to come before 11 o'clock this morning on SENZ Summer Days uh, we'll hear from Kevin Hickland on the very busy, I think it was nine days in Christchurch of the Somerset National Bowls Tournaments and he'll give us all the winners and, and uh, tell us how it all went down. Don't forget of course at 11 o'clock we'll talk to George Bennett, our premier road cyclist, joining the World Number one team to look after and also ride for himself at some stage, uh, the world's number one cyclist. So, lots still to come for two o'clock today.
3: It's Kiwi for sport.
2: Ten twenty-eight on a Monday morning, wherever you are around Aotearoa, New Zealand. Good morning to you, Stephen McIver. Here uh, till two o'clock today, and through to Friday. Then Smithy, hopefully, will be back in the chair. Uh, I think there's some talk that he may have to do uh, jury duty next week, so Ricardo will be covering off on that one. So there's a there's plenty there's plenty going on, to say the least, particularly in the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game at the moment, because currently they're in overtime with two eighteen to go. It's thirteen all, and I've just seen a graphic pop up to suggest that. Uh, if it's a tie, both teams will be eliminated from the playoff scenario. Now, the Baltimore, sorry, should I say, the Pitts uh, Ben Rothelberger has just, they were fourth and eight, got that their first and 10. They're now just going to play it out to get closer for their punter. Their kicker to get them uh, closer to the playoffs, which is a which is a big old it's a big old deal. I'm very happy actually because yesterday the Cowboys pumped the Eagles, and Dak Prescott uh, threw his first ever five touchdown game for a fifty-one to twenty-six win over the Cowboys. So I'm not unhappy about that. A close game in the Chiefs Broncos yesterday too, twenty-eight uh, twenty-four. I think the big talking point today though, and this will really affect the Colts, and I'm not totally sure about this one, uh, but the Jaguars, who were two and something, uh, they, they got their third one of the season and upset the Colts, 26-11, oh hang on a minute, it gets better, the Lions beat the Packers, the pack was safe anyway, but you lose to one of the worst teams going around, 37-30, Vikings got the Bears 31-17, <clears throat> Browns beat the Bengals 21-16, and Washington beat the Giants 22-7. So there you go. It is all on. And this, by the way, is the first ever 18-week season in the NFL. And so the funny thing about that is that for the first time ever, the Super Bowl we played in the middle of February. That's right, the middle of of February, which uh, we normally, it's normally the beginning of February, and you line up your Budweiser's and your nacho chips and your guacamole and sit in front and just stack them up. I'd love uh, yeah, I haven't done that in a long time. I must be getting old. Anyway, don't forget coming away at 10.30 we'll talk to Kevin Hickland on how the National Bowls tournament read around, to but we should be updating news right about now because it's half past 10. <music> 1032, this is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. The number is 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. If you would like to comment on anything that's been happening over or happened over the weekend or been happening today, 1613, the final score. And Pittsburgh, if I'm correct, stay alive in the playoffs. First to score in overtime. And that that is a big one. So Ben Roethlisberger, who you know played his last game in Pittsburgh last week, well, here we let me just have a look. No, they are still in the hunt. It's just they're just showing the playoff picture now at nine seven and one. They are still in the hunt. Okay, the Tennessee Titans are still the top seed. So I think now what will happen? We'll watch the rest of the day today and to see what happens. They've clinched the seventh seed. They've clinched the seventh seed, but they are waiting on other results. Well, there were plenty of results over the last nine days at all the bowling clubs around Christchurch with the Somerset Nationals, and the man that has been keeping us beautifully up to date with it has been Kevin Hickland. He joins us now. Hello, Hickers. How are you?
6: Yeah, good morning, Stephen. Uh, yes, we came to a close yesterday. And, uh, it's been amazing down here, of course, well, as right around the country, but to go through the whole Somerset National Championships and not lose like one minute at all of play with adverse weather is a fairly unique because obviously you have, normally you have one day which goes against you, but uh, we had perfect weather uh, right throughout the whole time and, you know, we had the men's and women's singles, the para and the blind bowls, so it was a full calendar. Uh, of activity at Burnside and finalised yesterday with the uh, men's pairs, and by goodness we saw a magnificent performance by uh, Andrew Kelly, former New Zealand singles winner, and Seamus Curtin, the 21-year-old from the Stokes Valley Cup, up against uh, Gary Lawson, of course, winner of 14 New Zealand titles, and Tony Grantham, who had earlier, of course, been beaten in the final of the singles, and it would say that Lawson and Grantham would go, have gone into that game possibly as the favourites and they jumped out of the gates pretty good, actually. Midway through, they were in front. But then we saw, what I would say, the brilliance of a skipping of, of Andrew Kelly and his shot play, etc. And we saw Andrew Kelly and Seamus Curtin uh, run out the winners, defeating Gary Lawson and Tony Grantham. And in the earlier final, we saw... Taylor Bruce, who has been beaten in two previous New Zealand uh, finals in the singles, uh, avenged that after defeating narrowly with the last bowl uh, Selena Goddard of North Harbour, 21-20, and then went on to defeat Claire Hendra 21-15, uh, in the women's singles final. And early on, of course, in the week, we saw Kelvin Scott of Christchurch on the master display yeah. defeating Tony Grantham of uh, North Harbour and the women's peers won by Sandra Keith and Bip Morrell defeating uh, de- defeating Taylor Bruce and Claire Hendra. So uh, fantastic results and great for the New Zealand selectors as well, I think, uh, as well, Stephen, as we build with difficulty towards the Commonwealth Games.
2: Yes, yeah, so, yeah, you you spoke to me last week that that was important because this might be the only time they get the chance because there'll be no potential trans-Tasman. I looked at the scores and I thought they were dominant performances in the singles. I mean, did that tell the story, that the, the scoreline?
6: Oh, I think in, in the in the women's singles with T- Taylor Bruce, yes, to me, uh, she was dominant throughout the match against Claire Hendra. Uh, I felt that she had better game management throughout the uh, the game, and really, did. to be fair to, uh, to Claire Hendra, she was up against a pretty hardy competitor, especially in light of the fact of the very, very tough semi-final that Taylor Bruce had just got through uh, over Selena Goddard. And playing on, and not that it's, on, not that it's a favouritism thing at all, but playing on home grounds at Burnside, that's always a plus, of course. But on the day, Taylor Bruce, yeah, it was too convincing. And in the two men's singles, well, Kelvin Scott uh, of Elmwood Park was simply just brilliant against Tony Grantham. Full marks Grantham, though. He was down 15-3 and clawed back to... to, to Double figures, but all in all, it was Kelvin Scott who really uh, was dominant throughout. That the fifty-nine-year-old winning his second New Zealand singles title.
2: Yeah, Kev, Kev, I've always been I've always been intrigued when it comes to balls that you can you can run away. Let's just use this as an example. Say to a say to a ten-point lead, and suddenly you lose your touch. You you lose your feel of the green. How does that come about?
6: Well, it was it was apparent actually yesterday. Uh, in the men's peers final because what was happening in the Gary Lawson side uh, when they were scoring they were uh, uh, delivering the jack into a very very short jack just over the minimum distance when Andrew Kelly and Seamus Curtin had possession of the mat or the, and the jack delivery they were playing longer ends right back to towards the two metre mark mm. and it, what it really happened in the latter stages of the game it was the first bowl of effectiveness of uh, young Seamus Curtin getting, uh, getting on top of Tony Granton, who had a spate of playing a number of short bowls, which he'd have been disappointed in. And all of a sudden, uh, instead of owning the head or, or the scoring opportunities, it gets reversed. And Andrew Kelly uh, took full advantage of that. And the key thing is on the 14th inning, Gary Lawson played an absolutely magnificent shot to uh, convert into a couple of shots. And uh, Andrew Kelly with his last bowl turned the bowl out and made two of it, and that was a 4 shot turnaround. And all of a sudden, you know, spring in the heels, and uh, you know, you just see that difference. Also, the other thing which was very evident, and this sounds quite technical, I suppose mm. as well, Stephen, is that that there was one hand uh, in the final, right throughout the whole week, the weaker bowls, where there was one hand that was definitely more kinder than the other hand, and players struggled on the wider hand, and yet we saw players persist with it. And then when they changed hands, all of a sudden their their balls started to get a lot closer to the jack, and that's what we saw yesterday uh, with Seamus Curtin. But, you know, great for the 21-year-old to uh, win his first title. And Andrew Kelly, who hasn't been playing very much balls, his wife, in fact, just had their second baby a few weeks back, and he's been on parental duty, so to speak. And, of course, Kelly, part of the New Zealand squad, won the singles down here two years ago and uh, he's certainly put his hand right up to the New Zealand selectors to say, uh, pick me, I'm there.
2: So the, the condition of the greens obviously suited some, and but they, they, it continues to change. Uh, just help me out here. Greens watered overnight or in the morning prior to play?
6: Well, yes, they normally will give the greens... Uh, and and it, to be fair, Steve, one of the reasons why they also uh, put water on the greens because uh, you can burn, you get that sheer, yep. a lot of heat... So it can definitely burn. So you just need to cool it down. And if there has been play where there's been bowls that have been, let's say, been dumped by the players on their delivery, it does bruise the green. Right? You can see um, Marlene and I walked out of the club the other day at, at about 6 o'clock and you can see definite markings on, on on one of the greens where the green was bruised. So the water, you put the water on it and, and it just it, it, it dampens that out. And also you've got to remember with a combination of magnitude and cochula greens, the the speed doesn't actually alter with, with water, which it does on grass because oh. the weed the the weed just flattens out with the water. It doesn't sodden it, It just it a... It's, uh, so it doesn't rain, or, or, or water doesn't make a, a significant difference to the speed of these menutators. Okay, uh,
2: okay, that's that's uh, what I was getting at. That's what I was getting at because I was wondering when you said, you know, a, a, a green can change within a match. Whether that had something to do with whether it was it was drying out as the, as a match goes on.
6: Yeah, it was certainly, you know, it, it, again as well, you know, you can, you get, as you know in in Christchurch, you can have that nor'wester mm. which. Uh, presently arrives throughout the day and can make can make play quite difficult because it does buffer the bowls around. And this particular year, the Nor'Wester, the 11 o'clock in the morning Nor'Wester, uh, wasn't as... Uh, it wasn't as obvious as other years, but it was certainly there. And I, look, I, I think, uh, to be fair as well, Stephen, this is no disrespect to the players playing in the finals or whatever, but sometimes it's a weird of a psychological <laughs> bit of a headspace thing. You know, it, it happens. It does, you know. Uh, unintentionally, but it does. And all of a sudden, as we saw yesterday, and it was interesting, we had the players mic'd up, uh, Andrew Kelly and Seamus Curtin uh, mic'd up throughout that final. And, Midway through the game, you could hear in the mic some of the frustration of Seamus Curtin, the young 21-year-old, and uh, Andrew Kelly put his arm around him had a talk to him and just, you know, this is what you've got to do, mate, just calm down, change your hand, do this, do that. And and, and we saw a change uh, very quickly. And really, in the last six years, the telling end of that final, it was just it was what happened with the first three bowls uh, from the respective leads, and Gary Lawson from going in the dominant position was going. He well, for example, over three years, I think he had five five drives at the head because uh, re- he really had nothing to play to and was trying to get reduction or to kill the head. So, and of course, Lawson was pretty keen on getting it to go for his 15th New Zealand title, which is a pretty mammoth achievement, would fantastic achievement. So, you know, Gary would be disappointed, um, but now, of course, we move forward. Uh, the weekend, the Waitangi weekend is the big training week, training camp weekend for the New Zealand squad at the Rocky Nook Green in Auckland, which has been the greenkeeper there, Jamie Hill, has made the green as close as possible, one can possibly do to like English conditions, English pace, uh, which will um, uh, give the selectors a really, really good look. And it's a bit of a shame because we've got our Australian players like young Crystal Lee, he's based in Australia, Ali Forsyth and Kate Linnich, and of course they're all very, very much in contention with Commonwealth Games selection. And of course, I can assure you, New Zealand selectors want every endeavour to get those players back um, so that they can be given every opportunity to put their name in the hat for the Commonwealth Games selection.
2: Yeah, but I think from what I'm hearing from you, they'd be pretty comfortable uh, and happy with what they saw at the Nationals, Kevin.
6: Yes, I, you know, I, to be honest, Stephen, I remember a bit of uh, an unknown thought of how players would uh, react, what was going to happen. Uh, And I think the encouraging thing for the New Zealand selectors uh, was that a number of their squad members, Selena Goddard, Taylor Bruce, uh, Tony Grantham, Gary Lawson, a number of Andrew Kelly, uh, they were all there when the bells were ringing at the back end of the you know, semi-finals and finals, which is really, you know, as Mike Coonan said to me yesterday in the, in the Sky Next commentary, we're doing. It's, it's it's not really sure. It's nice to win, but it's also about getting that consistency and and being there that, on the last day.
2: Kevin, you are a good man and you are a mine of information. I appreciate the time you've given SCNZ to keep us up to date with the Somerset Nationals. Now you can just go and have a little bit of a rest, have a quiet one, and then get back into the real world and do some work, OK?
6: Well, we start work. In fact, I'm staying in Christchurch the rest of the week, uh, actually, Stephen, because we're covering the Burnside <laughs> I mean, the Burnside uh, Invitation Pairs this weekend and then back in Auckland for about three or four days and down to Taranaki uh, to cover the uh, final stage of the 117th uh, Taranaki Open Fours. So oh, still a bit on the agenda yeah, over and, the next
2: two weeks. And that's a big one, the fours. All right, Kevin, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Thank you, Stephen. Kevin Hickland, he is he is a mine of information. He is Mr. Bowles, and we certainly do appreciate him giving us up today. So, uh, when you we know we're always thinking about the Commonwealth Games. I mean, we've got the Beijing Winter Olympics sort of coming. Nico Porteous and Zoe Zaduski, cynic, they are they you feel they are timing their run. To perfection, but then you've got our bowlers uh, thinking about the Com Games in Birmingham later on this year. So, and we are always a good, a good prospect of winning medals. So, there's a lot to look forward to. It is ten forty-five. Uh, still to come at eleven today. George Bennett, it's ten to eleven here on SNZ with Stephen 150 Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Isn't Test cricket really sort of catching people's imagination this summer? Yeah, I mean, you look yesterday where the fourth Ashes test is a draw. You know, they need to bowl them all out. The Australians can't do it, and there's this rear gunner action, and they broaden Anderson, and they do the job so they don't do the clean sweep. But as you and I both know, they have got the Ashes after the 3-0. And then you get the New Zealand team losing the first test to Bangladesh for the first time ever, and then they go to Christchurch, and suddenly look what's going on there. It stumps 349 for one. So, Devin Conway sitting there, about to nudge another ton. He's on 99-not-out. And then you get Tom Latham, uh, the skipper, who, you know, w- was, we, there was, I think there was an expectation that he should put into beginnings. Well, he's not done with. He's not done with at all. 186-not-out as they head into day number two, which starts. The First ball can't be too far away. This is what Luke Ronke, the batting coach, had to say about those two batsmen.
7: And a reflection Particularly on Tom's his, but I guess the partnerships As well that come with that, all that He was able to lead By example So well Have you had, been now To have a word to him To think What was his mindset like
1: uh, Well leading into The whole series His mindset's been amazing um, There's a few little Timing things We did some some work on in between tests, and um, from what we all saw today, it was it was amazing. Um, there's obviously going to be times on green surfs; you are going to get get a bit of luck, but you've also got to keep batting it and, and sort of make the most of that. So, the way Tommy sort of some of his drives and and the the sound that the ball made off the bat was was awesome. So, to be not out and bat the whole day and then be able to continue on tomorrow with with Dev, who's obviously also. Um, putting his name out there again for for us and and everyone to see. So um, it was a, it was a fantastic day from both of them and and Youngie as well.
7: Yes, <laughs> overnight.
1: No, Devs, Devs a different individual. So he's more than happy to be on on whatever score and, and still be batting. So. He'll have his sleep tonight and he'll come out tomorrow and start again and, and just be, be Devon Conway. And, and what we've all seen now for, I guess, over the winter and, and leading into this summer as well now, he's he's putting out some outrageous numbers. So it's always a, a pleasure sitting on the sidelines watching him bat. Yeah, look, I was just to screw around, so, you
3: know, season, going to ask, where's that Tom Lay from 100 Rate for Gurners
1: Test Crew out? I'm just sitting in Suez on that green market today and the grunty showed out there. Where does that run, right? Um, Better off asking him. I mean, I've seen some amazing innings from him uh, in all forms. So I, I guess it's just that temperament that that he goes out there with and, and also that confidence with the work he puts in um, in between tests and and during tests and things like that to go out there and play the way he does, and um, the numbers as well from him in terms of Test hundreds and, and runs scored as a as a New Zealand opener, I think, just fantastic. And he's he's a good leader in our group and he goes out there with, with great confidence and just plays his game. Uh, and when you can do that and you've, I guess you, you just keep churning them out, it's always fantastic. And the guys definitely um, follow that lead and, and enjoy watching him, him bat and can get massive confidence out of that and... and Add it to their game as well.
2: That was Luke Ronki, the New Zealand Black Caps batting coach, on the performance of Devon Conway, ninety-nine not out, and skipper Tom Latham, hundred and eighty-six not out, two hundred and one runs for the second wicket. Uh, that performance, by the way, of Latham now puts them up to fourth on the list of New Zealand century makers, just like that. Uh, but I, I think there is a real, there's a, there's a genuine talking point about how Test cricket. You know, uh, yes, of course, we are the Test cricket world champions at the moment. Uh, but that that loss <laughs> against a Bangladesh in the first test won't have helped their numbers, their points. But it looks they look comfortable now. It must be nervous times though going out to bat first ball about eleven o'clock this morning to think that okay can we can we roll on with this? How far can Tom Latham go? Uh, Double ton doesn't look too far away. Ton looks pretty straightforward for Devon Conway. So uh, there is a lot to look forward to, isn't there? Stick around, there's more to come. <laughs>
3: Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport.
2: Heading towards 11 o'clock this uh, Monday morning nationwide with Stephen McIver. You know the number, 0800 811. If something happened over the weekend that you went, oh, that's interesting, feel free to call and have a yak about it. 0800 811. Coming your way after 11 o'clock this morning, our premier road cyclist who is joining the number one road cycling team in the world this year. So George Bennett's not too far away, as is vice-captain of the Women's Phoenix team, Katie Taylor, after their loss, former loss to Melbourne yesterday. Hannah Wilkinson, the New Zealand rep, uh, certainly once again showing how she can score goals. And remember, of course, uh, we're not too far away from the Women's World Cup and cricket as well. So there's a lot going on. Right, And don't forget also, uh, just after midday, Moana Pacifica, if you are a rugby-loving individual, their assistant coach, Philo Teatil, will be uh, calling in to have a, a chat to us about where they stand right now in their preparation for the inaugural campaign. And Dan Shamir on the back of the break, is first win in the NBL. Happy days. Lots still to come here on SENZ. Summer Days on
3: SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
4: Tonight I'm gonna have myself A real good time I feel alive Having a good time, having a good time.
2: It is 11.04 on SNZ. Yeah, let's have a good time. It's a Monday, and if you're back at work, it's a first day back at work. If you're allowed back at work, trust you're feeling okay. Busy old time before 2 o'clock and lots to look forward to. Well, Devin Conway hasn't mucked about. First ball of the day in the second test, day number two. Got his ton, hit a four. He's currently 107, so he is not mucking around. Tom Latham's still stuck on 186. I get the feeling Tom's not going to be stuck, so to speak, on 186 for too much longer. So Devon Conway, the man who'd miss, he sleeps terribly, uh, has uh, woken up and gone to town. Uh, 107 not out of 153 balls. Tom Latham, 186 off 278. They are just chomping through it comfortably, uh, the, the Black Caps against Bangladesh, in the second day of the second test. The New Zealand Cycle Classic was won yesterday by Scotsman Mark Anderson who will be talking to The Breakfast Show uh, tomorrow morning. He was the points race gold medalist from the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Came out here, uh, got caught with covid and stayed on, and he won it. He raced in it last year, and then came back and won it this year. Uh, and fourth, that's right, fourth, fifty six seconds back was New Zealand's premier road cyclist, George Bennett, who is an incredibly exciting twenty twenty two to look forward to. And George is with SNZ right now. Uh, ha- how's the body feeling after the tour, mate?
8: Yeah, I'm pretty good actually. Pleasantly not me surprised. Um, you know, normally you get home from stage races and you're you're absolutely in pieces, so. Um yeah, it's sort of been the perfect workload for me in the last five days. You know, stages, um, was able to do a bit of extra training throughout
2: the race and, and yeah, got some hard racing. and so pretty happy with how I've come out of it. How important was it to be home to race this year? Um,
8: well, I mean, you know, a lot of... It, it's not sort of... You know, a lot of the guys are replicating it by, you know, or doing altitude camps or something like that in Europe where there is um, you know, potentially is a better uh, physiological adaptation um being up high in altitude. But I think being here, you know, for me is really important because um I don't get to see my family, I don't get to see my friends for, you know, eleven months of the year sometimes or two months a year. So for me to come home and be able to do a bike race while I'm at home, um, that's really special because a lot of Kiwis haven't been able to see much racing. You know, people that normally go to Tour Down under and things like that as well. Um, and yeah, and also I think it does help replicate, you know, those altitude camps and things like that to help step you into the the new season on the front foot.
2: Is it weird to come home and there's not sort of the the huge scourge of uh, coronavirus hanging around?
8: Oh yeah, I think we're man, we're so fortunate here. I think um, you know you hear a lot of criticism of of responses and things like that all the time, but um, I think that's you know people should see what's happening and in, in where I live at home uh, in Europe. So I think, um, you know, every year I come home, last year, this year, when I've always looked back at New Zealand, I know there's been lockdowns and it's been bloody tough for everybody. Um, but when I see what's happening where I live and, and what has happened and what we've gone through there, because there's been absolutely zero control of anything, um, I just feel very fortunate that we're here and there's, there's summer and, and, um, and people are by... You know, for the moment, still really healthy, and, and um, yeah, it's just a really nice sort of let up from it. Um, where, you know, the rest of my life, it, it is, you know, it's been okay the last year gone past, but it is kicking off in a big way again in, in the last sort of month or two. So, um, yeah, it is, I'm just enjoying it while I can because I know I have to get back over there, and it's going to be another sort of big feature of my life going forward for the next year, by the sounds of things.
2: Yeah, and, and, a, and a huge challenge for you, George. Brand spanking new team, arguably, well, the biggest team. You come from Jumbo Vista, which was the big guns. Now you're with UCI World Team, UAE Team Emirates. I mean, how good is this for you?
8: Oh, I mean, so far it's been great. I mean, I haven't had a lot to do with them yet, so uh, I'll let you know once I've done all the racing and, and had a big part of the team. But, um, you know, so far we've only sort of got together in UAE as a, as an off season camp and had a bit of fun with the boys and got to meet them and they were, they were really good guys. But in general, my experience has been really good. You know, I've been working hard with a new trainer and um, I've had a whole new approach to my training, which, um, you know, not that the old approach was wrong, but you know, I've been doing it for seven years with the same trainer, same stuff, same year in and out. Um, so yeah, just having that new stimulus has really been an exciting change for me. And also just my general dealings with new people, um, has been great. So, yeah, so far it's been a really positive experience, but um, it's still really early days, so,
2: you know, we're going to see how it all how, how it all unfolds, so uh, you know, as the, as the year goes on. George, for those that don't understand your role in the team, what will your role be? I mean, you've got two-time Tour de France, one of Tadej, Pogacar, to look after in many ways, but you will get the chance, I assume, to ride for wins,
8: yeah, so I've got a pretty nice program actually. I'm, I've been,
2: um,
8: I've got a basically 50 50 split between, um, you know, having a crack myself uh, for some some results, a really exciting opportunity, and a big sort of one week stage races through the spring and also into the summer. And then, um, yeah, obviously being, uh, you know, um, there to help today. I gotcha and uh, in, in the. In the big races that he's targeting, and and you know, so it's a really nice mix. You know, I think that's important to have both. You know, you need to realise that you do have the best rider in the world in your team, and then it's an exciting opportunity, maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity to, to be part of that team. So that's that's really exciting, but also to keep the the motivation high by knowing that you know we are still bike races, trying to get results ourselves, and have the opportunity to have a crack, crack for your own sort of
2: personal glory. How hard is it to understand that you want to win races, but in certain races, you've got to be the support guy and the, to, you know, to push that number one rider to get out and drag him with you?
8: Oh, well, I think you know it's people sort of. It's a strange sport, you know, cycling, because it's team sport that people don't really see as a team sport, and sometimes it really is a team sport, and sometimes it's less of a team sport. It's sort of quite nuanced in that way, and. Mm. Um, it's the more you sort of understand about it the better it is because you do understand what's happening you know so from a from a sort of general public's point of view and, and you see that these little things and these um, these huge roles that teammates have on, on people winning races in the right situation and for me you know I think I just love to be on the winning team and whether that's me winning or whether that's Pogaccio winning or whether it's Almeida or any of the other big signings so um, I think um you know, just just being on that winning team bus is, is a big thing and, and um yeah of course I think you do have to compartmentalise it a little bit where you know okay this part this is your goal and, and you know your goals already, you know, so you hear them from a long way out, this is your shot. You got a free reign, make it count and then you also go to this other race and you know you also need to be bloody good here because everybody's gonna be trying to trying to beat us because we are the guys to beat. So um, you also need to be really good there, and you, you know you don't want to be in either of those situations underprepared. And I think being a teammate at times is sometimes a nice relief from a bit of the pressure that comes with getting results and a bit of the um, sort of spotlight that can that can be quite heavy um, sometimes in Europe. And um, being able to just step in and ride your bike so, without having to, to be the guy, and then also. It's, you know, you get a nice change of being the guy as well sometimes, and the excitement of all that. So,
2: yeah, it's it's good to have a balance. How big is this team? We we, we see the Tour de France. That's the that's the big one. We had the Giro d'Italia as well. We see that as well. But when you talk about numbers to run the number one team, what sort of uh, personnel levels are we talking?
8: Oh yeah, no, in the hundreds for sure. I mean, this is the this is a huge team. I mean, we we, you know, I'm not sure what the budget would be, but I'm I'm it's, it's probably one of the biggest in cycling um, maybe the biggest not sure but it's you know you're looking around sort of 40 million euros a year somewhere around there 30 40 million so there's a huge amount of people staff um, office people technicians trainers aerodynamics specialists nutritionists whatever cooks bus drivers truck drivers everything mechanics <laughs> on you so there's just a, there's just this, this huge operation and I mean each team has to have between on the general roster has to have, I think, it's minimum 26 and a maximum of 30 riders on the on the roster. So there's, and each rider's sort of doing about 80 race days. Um, so you can see there's a lot of racing that goes on outside of the Tour de France or Tour de Arnando or Giro, which are maybe the ones that the, the New Zealanders know about. Um, you know, you've got all these huge races that are, that are, even more famous overseas, if you're talking about the classics, the one the one day races, Paris Roubaix, Tour of Flanders, yeah. they, they are, you know, they are the monuments they're called. Um, and then you have you know spring stage races, Catalonia, Vasco, um, Vasco, Romandy, all these big races that you know, and they require a lot of travel, a lot of logistical stuff. So there's, you know, it's huge personnel involved, and and um, huge sort of logistical operations that goes on behind the
2: team. During the season, how stressful is it for a rider like yourself?
8: To just in general, how stressful
2: am I? Yeah, no. How stressful is the is the riding, the pressure to perform, the, the pressure to support? Oh right, yeah.
8: Well,
2: <laughs> um,
8: I guess it depends how stressed you get. You know? Yeah, I think some people find it cripplingly stressful and retire early, and you know they live in permanent fear of underperforming or. A lot of guys now, the, the way the peloton's changed, live in a lot of, you know, they're very stressed about crashing and we've seen a lot of pretty bad career-ending injuries over the last sort of year or two. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that, that gets on people's minds. I, I personally don't find it particularly stressful. I probably find it more exciting than, than stressful. Um, you know, I don't... Obviously, there are times that's it's stressful but that's generally when you're not riding particularly well. And then it becomes quite stressful when you you know, you don't have a lot of time to turn things around and yeah. you feel like you're under the pump that, that can be stressful and you know, um but once you sort of up to speed and once you're riding well, um, yeah, I, I, I find it sort of you know, of course it's stressful in the race and it's stressful and you know, you do get a bit of sort of nervous and things, but not not overly. Um but I think it's if you're excited and you want to be there and you want to, you know, you just sort of chomping at the bit, I think, you know, that means you're generally riding pretty well and things are going your way. So, yeah, when, when your chips are up, um, you know, I think it can be stressful if you're trying to, trying to chase yeah. chase form and chase results. But, yeah, I, I generally find it a pretty awesome experience.
2: Am I right in saying pressure from the get-go with the your team having to race the Tour of the UAE first up? Oh, yeah, no, I've been told that was um, on Tour de France for us. This is
8: one of the biggest goals, if not the second biggest goal of the year. So um, we're sending a very strong team there and it's definitely pressure on on that race. So that changes things a little bit for me in terms of New Zealand summer. Um, You know, it's not necessarily the chilled out barbecue with your mates every day and and (laughs) swim at the river kind of summer that I'm that I'm used to, but um, it's also, it's also a blessing, you know, and it's also a show of confidence from the team, you know, I've never ridden with these guys, and that straight away, we're putting together our sort of, you know, super strong team to go there and and show, you know, show the new signings, there's been a few new signings over the winter, so um, yeah, it is is, um, pressure on for us, definitely in a big way, so I need to be need to make sure I'm up for that one and, and that has changed a little bit the way I've trained and that's also another reason why I was doing the Cycle Classic last week um, just to make sure I I got there when the other, the other six riders will all be coming from a team altitude camp so
2: yeah well, George, we wish you the best of luck. I mean, you are a premier rider in, in, in the, one of the biggest sports going around. And uh, you, I know you fly that uh, New Zealand flag proudly, but the best of luck, mate. Go get them and yeah. uh, have a very safe 2022.
8: <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, and thanks to everyone that was out there last week and everyone that's been following for the year. So I uh, look forward to, yeah, hopefully doing well for you. Okay.
2: Cheers, mate. George Bennett, good bloke, great bloke. And when you think of the pressure that he's under in a team that has the number one cyclist, road cyclist in the world, and he's going to be his mate and help him win races, but he's also allowed... To try and win stages and races himself, and at 33 years of age, he is just the, the confidence oozing at him and the the general nicety. What a good bloke! That UAE tour, by the way, is the first of the world tour calendar, and it starts February 20 in the UAE. It's 11:18 here on SCNZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. We talk Phoenix Women Football next with their vice captain Kate Taylor for. 109, run out for 109 so that's where it stacks up at the moment but Tom Latham is still there uh, sitting on 190 off 291 balls so there you go, Devin Conway had a good sleep, got up got his ton and there you go it'll be interesting to see John um, how far they go in this one Right? they'll obviously, well, okay you want to see a double-ton, right? They're not going to deny a double-ton to Tom Latham because they're, they're still... What sort of number do you think, looking at the way this wicket is playing, in particular Batsman's paradise it would seem... Would you want to declare at? Because you want you you're going to declare, aren't you? Or are you going to just? I'm keep going to bat
3: on? once, Stephen. If I'm uh, Tom Latham, the captain, and uh, Ross Taylor's just walked to the wicket as well. A nice arm um, guard of honour he got from the oh, Bangladesh team. Nice. Because I think this is probably the last time Ross Taylor will bat. Because I think New Zealand bats once they get close to 600. Oh.
2: That's what I was. That's what I was going to ask you. They're three sixty three for two, so they're going to have to uh, put plenty on now. So here's the the question. Here remains: Is this the sort of wicket that will suit Taylor?
3: Well, uh, it's suited every other batsman so far, <laughs> Stephen. So you'd hope it would suit Ross Taylor. Yeah. He's he's got starts in the series so far, but he hasn't pushed on, and that's kind of what Ross Taylor's done for the last couple of years. It's kind of got those middling scores without going just big. Um, yeah, his century-making. There was a time where him and Kane Williamson were on that race to beat yeah. Martin Crowe, and they were neck and neck. Well, Kane Williamson's gone well past Ross Taylor, um, but I would just love so much to see Ross Taylor go out with a ton. He's one of my favourite New Zealand cricketers of all time. Why is that? Why is he one of your faves? Because he's always been there through the tough times, uh, through the good times and the tough times, and he's always remained solid. He's always been true to himself. I think the way he ha- uh, handled the captaincy, Saga was brilliant. He could have easily just tossed it in and just gone for himself. He changed his game at one point as well with the slog sweep. Uh, there was it, it was a money-making shot for him. It got him a gig at the IPL. He was getting paid to play T20 cricket, um, but it was also his out shot uh, in Test cricket as well. So... Uh, it, and he put that away. He put that away for years and scored a lot of test runs for us. So, And, and 290 at the Wacker in Perth, one of the greatest innings I've ever seen. So big Ross Taylor fan, Stephen. Who's going to
2: replace him for you? Who's going to be your new your new man
3: crush? Well, the guy you know, is my favourite black cap. I don't know. But in the <laughs> actual order, um, we're seeing them now. It's it's Will Young and Devin Conway and then came Williamson comes back. So... We're looking very, very strong, even without Ross Taylor, which tells you something about this test unit.
2: Well, hang on a minute. Well, you wouldn't say that last week. Come on, back the truck up a little bit. You weren't going to say, whoa, we're looking really good, and we lost to Bangladesh for the first time. Yeah,
3: we did, and you told me off for panicking too early, didn't you, on Tuesday when we were last on here, <laughs> You're like, hold on, John, it'll be okay. It wasn't okay, though, was it, Stephen?
2: Oh, hang on. It why wasn't. Are you, why are you throwing this back at me <laughs> when you're the one saying, yeah, we're looking really strong. We've just come off a lose, a test of a, a loss to a test, so we shouldn't have lost
3: yeah, I I want to call it a blip. Should, can we call it a blip?
2: Well, it's, it's your Avengers blip, shall we? Yeah. Oh, all right, then we'll leave it at that. So anyway, 363 for 2. Uh Devon Conway run out for 109. Uh, Tom Latham still in at 190, 10 away from a double ton and Ross Taylor in his last test in the last match of whites for New Zealand uh at the crease. So there's a lot there's a lot to look forward to. As there is for Chris Wood, our Probably, our, arguably, our best Premier League player at the moment going around. Currently playing in uh, Burnley, who are in relegation trouble. Uh, but here's the crazy thing. So they've won only one match all season, and so have Newcastle. Because Newcastle, have just been bought by this Saudi consortium, are hunting Chris Wood. And they have deliberately targeted your very own Chris Wood. The question is, would you go? He's in his fifth season at Burnley, uh, and he's said to be interested in making the move to go. But they, they're going to have to play because Burnley might be reluctant to sell their player with a team that's sitting in the relegation zone. Uh, they're 18th, and sorry, Newcastle 18th. Burnley and Newcastle 18th and 19th, respectively, on 11 points. So That's not a lot to go for. So I suppose the question is, well, is money the, the the key driver here for 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 Chris Wood? Because you know Newcastle are going to be throwing stacks of cash around. He is a proven goal scorer. You know he's not a flash goal scorer. He's got a big nut, puts himself in the box at the right time, gets that nut in the right place most of the time, and scores goals. I think it's the last what three, four seasons he's scored. Ten goals per season, which which is is it last three or four seasons or five seasons? I think it's
3: yeah, I think it's I think it's four, and I think there's only a certain amount of players who have done that. Guys like um, I think Harry Kane is one of them, Mo Salah, yeah. That, like, you, these you are, are some right. of the biggest so, names in world so, football, so, and he's so up he, there with them.
2: He is up there with them, and he certainly deserves to cash in. But do you want to cash in and then start playing Championship football because the team that you are going to play for is not playing Premier League football? That is the question. I probably would suggest you. Well, if you're making so he makes around. 5 million now. He
3: makes $100,000 a week, Stephen, so, and he so might the,
2: get that will become more if he goes to I Newcastle. I reckon they'll double slash triple that uh, because he's a striker, he's a goal scorer, right? Aren't they talking about paying Paul Pogba, Manu, a half a million pounds a week. So just double it, a million dollars a week. 52, well, it's not 50, just a ridiculous amount of money. But there you have it. Uh, looks like Kate Taylor's not going to be able to connect. Disappointing, but they next play uh, in Wollongong this Sunday. Trying to look for a, a win to get themselves back on the hunt at the Wellington Women's Phoenix in the Liberty A-League. It's half past 11. 733, this is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver, 0800 150811. Well, through the magic of modern technology, we have been able to connect with the vice-captain of the Women Phoenix, and that is Kate Taylor, after their 4-0 defeat against Melbourne. Kate joins us right now. Uh, Hard times right now, Kate?
9: Yeah, um, I mean, 4-0 isn't um, exactly how we wanted it. Um, but I think the girls went out there and, and played really well and I'd say that it's probably the best performance they have done all season um, so to come away with The 4-0 was a bit disheartening, but I know we'll pick up
2: and go again next week. Uh, The boss, Gemma Lewis, said, quote, I think for the most part we had a bit more about us. We were a bit more relentless, out of possession. We were turning over second ball. We were getting in their face. We were trying to be positive going forward. We were getting our fullbacks joining up. We were trying to get attacking numbers in the box. Have these been the work-ons?
9: Yeah, definitely. Um I know that we've we've changed a bit of um how we're going forward just to try and get a few more numbers up there. And I think that that showed during the game because we we had some numbers on transition and we we seemed to to be able to provide more up top, which I think showed as well.
2: Is the, is the pace of the game a little overwhelming or are you guys in sync with it?
9: Uh, well, I mean, we probably came into it um, obviously unexperienced and and not used to it but I think now that we've played a solid number of games we've we've definitely got there and I think that yesterday showed that that we can be there. Um, Again obviously the scoreline didn't reflect well of how we thought we played and how we want to be playing, but I think that um, the speed of the game we're definitely adapting to.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the important thing. You sound very upbeat. So, is as, as hard as it is to suck up another loss? Do you just have to switch off and go right? Here we go again. Another game in front of us.
9: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't too um, disheartened about that performance because I knew that we played so much better, and I know that. Some of the girls were definitely a little bit down after that game, but we just have to go again. I mean, we're we're a new team in the league, and we're doing better than I think people have expected us to do. Um, and so I think, yeah, I am I am upbeat about it because I know that we can keep pushing and keep keep doing things that. Other people don't think we can do, and I, I think that we can definitely get some results this season, which I'm looking forward to as well.
2: And, and you, like the men, are you know living in a different country, having to travel in, in an environment that could, is constantly changing daily. Does that constant change affect your mindset on a daily basis?
9: Um, I don't think it affects it in necessarily a, a bad way or a good way, I think it just helps us. Well, I mean, we're all there together. So I think that's definitely a positive in itself, um, but I think sometimes after the losses like this, it, it might take a little bit longer to to get back up. But once we're up and going again, we're we're good to go and good to keep pushing.
2: What can you expect from the Brisbane Roar on Sunday?
9: Yeah, I mean I haven't haven't watched too much um, of their footage so far, but um, I know that they've got some really good players, and they've obviously um, came out of a, an unlucky one 0 draw loss yesterday, but. Like we know they're going to be competitive and they're going to be strong, just like all these other Aussie teams. And we're really looking forward to a, a new challenge and a new team. Obviously, we, we've versed Sydney twice and we've versed Newcastle twice, so yesterday's game was new, and next week's game will be new as well.
2: And it would be nice to score some goals. You haven't been uh, huge when it comes to putting the goal on the ball in the back of the net, have you?
9: No, we haven't. But I mean, hopefully, those are coming, and we're definitely working on them in training. So. It's just up to those forwards and whoever can get the ball in the back of the net to have a go and to try as much as they can, try their best to to get that goal.
2: Kate, how big is the realisation that this is a grind, a weekly grind?
9: Yeah, it's real. Um, It's so much fun though and I think that people looking looking in on the outside think it's an easy job but if they really knew what, what you had to do day in, day out, they would know that it's really not an easy job and I think Obviously, all the girls are enjoying it, but they're really finding that it's different to to how we expected, And I think it's a good thing as well. Um, we're here doing what we love, but we've got to grind day in, day out all the time.
2: Well, Kate, I think the, the first line to that, the answer to that question was, it's just fun, says it all. Well, make sure that you maintain, <laughs> maintain the fun and uh, we know you're trying, you're trying your heart out. It's a long way to go. It is a grind. It's a professional league. So we wish you the best of luck and, and keep on keeping on.
9: Thank you very much. We will.
2: Kate Taylor, the vice captain of the Wellington Women's Phoenix in the Liberty A League, Uh, another loss, and they're struggling to get goals in the. uh, That's two goals, I think, so far this season. They will face the. Brisbane Roar this coming Sunday for round seven of the Liberty A-League. Must be tough. I mean, you know, here we are. So we, we sit in New Zealand, everything. You know, we're, we're fortunate to be in the position they are. And they're going around New South Wales and other parts of that, Australia, that are being riven right now with, with om, this Omicron variant. And I, and I hate talking about it because it's so damn depressing. But they are in the middle of it. And it, it would be unnatural not to think that it sits in the back of their mind and the COVID protocols that they have to go through. We're living in crazy times, hopefully for not too much longer. Who knows how much longer? I don't know. But when I always think about that, I say, if you've had your two shots, you make sure you go get that booster shot as well. Get your booster shot. You know, get that extra layer of protection and try not to think about it. It is tough, I understand. It's 11.38. It's 11.38, and now is your chance to try and stump me. Yes, that's right. Stumped by Stephen is back for another week. 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 811. Can you stump me and be a winner? Find out next on SENZ Summer Days.
3: It's Kiwi for Sport. Dumped by Stephen It's that time of day where we give away some sleep drops I wish we were giving some cold cough drops or something (laughs) Stephen Because my voice is just hanging on What have you done? I went to a
2: 40th Uh, Okay there is no excuse Over the weekend
3: and there was a karaoke machine Oh Say no more What was was your go to? Whitney Houston I want to dance with somebody
2: Oh, that's yeah. I can hear Brian laughing in the background. I am, I am laughing as well. Yeah, uh, Whitney Houston was your go-to. It
3: was. Well, you know, Stephen, you're at these big forties, and all the boys are there, and the boys are going to do whatever. But you, do, you want to involve the the ladies. You want to get the ladies on the D floor. Oh, the D floor. I want to dance with somebody. It just was a flood, a flood of bodies onto the D floor. On oh, the it was D big.
2: floor. What? 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 Who is this person I'm talking to? I don't know. It's Whitney a- Houston singer, and we're going on
3: the D floor. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen. Yeah, back to business, eh? Yeah, yeah please, yeah. God help us. This is the daily quiz. We give away sleep drops, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support thought. supplements, and we give away 50 I bucks. Dance for
2: somebody. The,
3: you should have, we could have done a duet. There were two microphones. But anyway, we head to Auckland where we've got Craig. G'day, Craig.
2: G'day, guys. How is it?
3: Good, Good mate. mate. Good. Are uh, you a karaoke man, Craig?
2: Hell no. <laughs> but if you were, what would be your go to song? I wouldn't
10: have a clue actually oh, Not Whitney Houston?
2: Not Whitney, please God don't say to Whitney no, I'm Houston No, not
10: Whitney, no my voice is not great
2: for that No. Neither is John's apparently Neither, Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, but you know how
3: this game works eh Craig We give you three sporting categories yeah. You choose one, three questions right you win But as soon as you get a question wrong Stephen can come in and stump you So the categories today Rugby league, basketball and motorsport Which one?
10: I'll try rugby league
3: Why not? Why not Stephen's strong suit, but could be yours as well, Craig. Let's go. Question number one. There are six dual-code representatives from New Zealand that have played both rugby union and rugby league internationally since 1985. So guys have played for the Kiwis and the All Blacks. There's been six of them. I just want you to name three of them, though, Craig, if you could. Oh,
10: three of
0: I'm struggling here Craig
3: Innes. yep Craig Innes is one of them
0: well Matthew Ridge was a dual international even though he didn't play a
3: test
7: for the All Blacks not on Mark Ellis
3: oh. do, you, do you want to chuck one else one other out there as well because I Matthew Ridge is not on my list me uh shit I'm struggling here um you're in the right era though. I don't know, I'll have to throw John Kerwin and I'm not a hundred percent sure. No, 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 but No, one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. John Kerwin, a great Auckland warrior, but he never played for the yeah. Kiwis, never played international yeah. rugby
2: league. So This is a tough one. This is a tough one because I had Frano Botica. Oh. Is Frano Botica in there? Frano Botica is in there. Yeah. But I don't think did Daryl Halligan ever play a test. He didn't ever play. He never play. So I can't get the Daryl Halligan as the third one. No. So and I, I am I'm struggling somewhat, and it's gonna, I'm going to kick myself.
3: You guys are both going to kick yourselves. I'm going to hit this for you two. One Stephen. of the worst things
2: <laughs> I've ever seen. Thanks very much.
3: Have you guys heard of a guy called Sonny Bill Williams?
10: Maybe.
2: Yeah, all right, yeah. All right, yeah. Okay. But you can both ne- kick yourselves.
10: Never heard of the person. Of
2: a person. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Staring us in the face. All right, <laughs> keep going. Love it. All right,
3: Craig. Um, also would have accepted John Timo and Kurt Sherlock.
2: Yeah. John As Johnny, well. Isn't Johnny Timo building down south? Or has been for years? Or Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went back to Otago, made all his money overseas and nothing. Ended up building. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, one of the things. You're anyway. still
3: alive, Craig. Question number two. The Penrith Panthers won the NRL last year. The Warriors once again missed out on the playoffs. Where on the ladder did the WoWos finish in 2021? Don't
2: call them oh. the WoWos. Come on.
3: That's
4: terrible. <laughs> I can't call them the WoWos.
2: He's going to get this if I don't get this. Uh, oh, don't worry. I probably won't get this
4: 30. one. One of the worst things I have ever I seen done going.
2: on a <laughs> I think it was 12th, wasn't it? That's a couple of chips down the
3: wicket, right in the slot, under where it goes. Yeah, Craig saw it coming. You were right, Craig. You have been stumped by Stephen. Yeah.
1: Thanks again. Yep. Have a great day,
2: guys. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for playing it as well, mate. I always appreciate that one. We're heading down to Spud Country.
3: Pukakoi Barry, how are you, mate? Happy New Year.
10: Same to you, guys. Absolutely.
3: I'm oh, good, thank you. All right, mate. Do you just want one question on rugby league to try and win all the prizes? <laughs>
10: Yeah, no pressure.
3: Yeah. None whatsoever. No pressure in this game. Last question for the sleep drops and the 50 bucks. Who was the Dally M winner of last season in the NRL 2021? You don't have to spell it either.
2: (laughs) Dally M. Oh, God.
3: Who was the best player in the NRL last year?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Well, hang on. I'm thinking of uh, Terry, but... No, I know. I gotcha. Um, I think you might be stuffed here, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> but no pressure. Who was,
10: that, who was that
4: winger that proposed to his girlfriend?
2: Brian Tuttle. Um, Brian Tuttle from yeah. Penrith.
4: Oh, it won't be him because you just told me his name. <laughs>
10: <laughs> um, the best player in, in the league. Yeah. yeah. Just last year. Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm a Warriors
4: fan too, but... I sort of switch off
2: when they when they drop out. Fair enough. That's not, um, very, that's not very loyal. Come well, once on, team's out. Stay, here, you're stay not really the keen. course, stay the course. It's still entertaining. Uh, I, I don't
10: know. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'll, I'll say Nathan Clary.
2: One
4: of the worst things I have ever <laughs> seen done on Stephen, a car. I, I, th- I think the dead giveaway
2: was spelling it, so it's Tom Travoyevich from your beloved oh, okay. Manly.
0: Yeah.
3: That's not a couple of chips yeah. down a wicket. Right in the slot, under where it goes. That is correct, Stephen. Sorry, Barry, but if you listen tomorrow about the same time, there'll be a 100 bucks from the TAV on the line. So give us a crack tomorrow and maybe do a little bit of studying on the other teams in the NRL outside the Warriors.
2: I'll be back. (laughs) love (laughs) it. Thank you, Arnold. I appreciate that. There you go. Oh, hey, that's the first time I've done a double stumping. Well done. he's
3: done a couple of hat-tricks.
2: Pardon. Smithy's done a couple of hat tricks uh, before. Yeah, stuff, was it but it was it on his favorite like mine? Was it cricket? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go. So that's come on. Give me some how about just giving me a bit of love here, right? Oh, well, Stephen. Y- y- Beautiful y- performance today, mate. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, hey, this is good news. Tommy Latham got the double ton. Two hundred and three of three hundred and eight balls, thirty-one falls at a strike rate of sixty-five point nine. And Ross Taylor's just comfortable. He's currently on eleven of seventeen. And he started off early with a couple of uh, fours at a strike rate of 64 So a double ton. How cool is that? It's all going on on SENZ Summer Days. And I get the double stumping. I'm pretty happy. Stay with us. There's more to come. Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. 11.57 with Stephen McCarver. The number is 800 1508 That's 800 Tom Latham currently on at 204. And Ross Taylor, he's just ticking over nicely. He's on 18 off 21. Uh, uh, that is the fifth double century in first-class cricket for Tom Latham. He now joins Matthew Sinclair and Kane Williamson, who have five first-class double tons. Bert Sutcliffe, the great Bert Sutcliffe, by the way, had eight. Uh, first class double tons. Now the questions uh, people are starting to, you know, talk about. Triple ton, triple century, what What happens? I mean, what was Baz McCullough's, was it th- just over 300? Yeah, 302. 302. Mm, the highest ever score by a New Zealand test cricketer. Uh, see, I just wonder whether or not we should just be quiet and just say nothing about it because, you know, you never know what happens. But it obviously does appear to be a batsman's paradise. And I think what you were saying earlier and the the respect that just get out there and put a monster total on and only have to bat once and grind them down because I'm sure psychologically when you're having to chase – as you said, maybe six hundred. That must be just the worst thing in the world when you've been in the field for a go- oh, yeah. even maybe. What well, we could say, what two days? Put or? them in
3: the field for two days, absolutely. And like, Bangladesh should be gutted because one nil up in the
2: series. Yeah. You come to Christchurch You forget that, don't you? One 0 up in the you series. You win the
3: toss and the pitch is green, and you're like, yes, bat New Zealand, <laughs> take this. And then you look at the scoreboard, and it's
2: three hundred and ninety-five for two. Yeah, no, I, I said I would. I would love to see another a piece of. Test history being made, today, and that coming out of my mouth is a bit weird because you know me and cricket don't really see eye to eye. But I got to say, the Ashes has 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 even though it was a, a thumping and that we had a draw in the last test, it's been it's been fun to watch and see the New Zealand team. You know, it's sometimes it's good to see a team that's being so strong not to perform and then bounce back. I mean, it's a cliche, I know, it's a, yeah. a sporting cliche. Got to win some to win, you know, lose some to win some. But I I think. This is this is a good sign. Probably not so good for Bangladesh because all that good work they did in the first test has now been undone and and mm. that, that's not the way you want to progress.
3: No, and that's why we're kind of seeing now that it, it was a blip. Potentially. <laughs>
2: yeah. Why did it have to be New Zealand, though, to be a blip? Seven, yeah, exactly. Why did it have to be us? Uh, 17-10, the, the Rams lead Jimmy G and the 49ers uh, in the third quarter. Under 10 minutes go the th- to go in the third quarter. And other NFL, Week 18, the very first time they have had Week 18. It's their super season, their longest season ever. Uh, the Falcons at halftime are trailing the Saints 24-6. This is an interesting result that's at halftime. The Cardinals, who have struggled off late, although they beat my cows last week, uh, down 17-10 against the Seattle Seahawks. The Bills are ahead of the Jets by three. Uh, they're only in the second The second quarter. is almost done. They lead 10-7. And the Bucks, Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions, they lead the Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton and his mob, uh, 10-7. The Dolphins, the Dolphins, now, I don't know how, where this sits. I mean, we're going to have to wait till the end of today to see what happens with the playoff picture. The Dolphins had a chance last week. Has their chance to make the playoffs gone if they beat the Pats? Who knows? It's 17-7, and as I said, the Rams 17-10 over the 49ers at the moment. And if I hadn't told you before, uh, my cows won big yesterday. Put on 51 against Philly. Coming up next, Philo Teatia, assistant coach of Moana Pacifica. Machine and singing Whitney Houston. That's why his voice is like that. It's 12.03 and this is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. Philo Teatia now coming to you after one. A slight schedule change for Moana Pacifica. But hey, that's okay because we are chocker blocker and... Black Spoke Racing, who raced the New Zealand Cycle Classic, would we'll be pretty happy right now because they've got the winner in Mark Stewart, who was talking to the breakfast team tomorrow morning. Their manager is Scott Guyton, who joins me right now. Congratulations, mate. Yeah,
11: thanks very much. Yeah, it was a very, very good week for the team, and uh, yeah, we're all pretty
2: happy. See, so now people say Black Spoke Racing, what is that all about? But my understanding, a development racing team.
11: Yeah, the team originally has been set up um, by Murray Bolton, um, who's who's, uh, just a a passionate um, sports person in New Zealand. He's very, very keen to look after young Kiwis and and get them into the international stage in cycling. So um, that's the original idea behind the team. And Black Spike was a a name that uh, we made up to give to the Kiwi people and um, and sort of show and and shine the flag in, in Europe.
2: Scott is it a, a full time team?
11: Uh yeah, it's a it's a professional team. Uh we're what we call as a a team in the UCI ranks. Uh, it's you know this time of year we're based in New Zealand but from April onwards the team is based in Europe and uh, yeah, we've got a squad of uh, 14 riders now and yeah, we pretty much um, do a lot of high end sort of, uh, European races.
2: Oh, that must be exciting, has it? Was there much racing? Has there been much racing, the ability to race in the last two years?
11: Uh, yeah, two years ago, no. Uh, we, we ended up our first season spending in New Zealand. It was a bit of a letdown. Um, but last uh, year, 2021, we, we did uh, seven months in Europe, and we've got quite a bit of racing and probably more than enough. So, yeah, Europe was pretty active last year with the race team. And hopefully we can get the same again this season.
2: Yeah, I mean, what is the what is the what is the plan in place for 2022 for Black Spoke?
11: Uh, The team will will leave leave here in April and base in Belgium for for a seven month period. Uh, a few other riders will be basing in Spain and um, be consistent of around sort of 50 races in total for the for the boys. A uh, majority of that would be sort of Northern Europe, um, but. There'll be some racing down, down south as well.
2: So, so when we talk about the level of racing that the black spoke are involved in, are we talking second tier behind sort of the the, the UCA World Tour big guns?
11: Pretty much, yeah, yeah. We're a team that's developing and, and trying to feed feed riders into the into the World Tour. Um, yeah, but at the same time, we end up doing a lot of races that are um, and racing with those boys as well. Uh, with, Last season, we raced up in Norway, which is a, a two-point pro in the UCI ranks, which typically had 10, 10 uh, World Tour teams there. So the boys have been racing to a high level. Um, but, yeah, we're just... Uh, we have the young, young guys as well coming through and, and just trying to launch um, some more keys into the into the
2: World Tour. Scott, we were talking to George Bennett this morning and he was telling me the numbers involved with his new team and, you know, Jumbo Vista who he used to race for and their mind-boggling numbers. But he said that most teams at that level have to have between 26 and 30 riders. You say you've got 14 riders. Is there, what is the limit on the amount of riders you have? And, I mean, how do you fund all this?
11: Yeah, Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, uh, we We run a single program, maybe one and a half, sort of, at max, meaning we we race one race at a time and and then we go to the next race and we use the 14 riders to do that with their form and and obviously injuries and things like that. Uh, Someone like George Bennett and his team, he could be racing, their team could be racing up to three races at one particular time. Uh, So it's a completely different level of, um, yeah, uh, sort of organisation, really. Um, Funding for us, I mean, to get... The funding of um, UAE or Lotto um, Jumbo or a team like that is obviously pretty pretty special and, and few and far between. But uh, Murray Bolt is, um, is, is our is funding uh, black spoke, and he's come on and he's really good way to get us to where we are now, and, and he's, he's looking into the future with us as well.
2: So. What progress have you seen from writers and individuals?
11: Uh, we've, we started with a very young team. Um, we had us, uh, I think we had sort of seven guys under the age of nineteen. So uh, we've brought in a few, few older riders this this this, um, this year, which is 25, 26, And the reason we've done that is to get us some better starts in Europe, and also help teach these younger guys that we've already got to give them a um, a better, better chance at sort of gaining better knowledge from from their experiences.
2: What were the experiences like having someone like George in your team uh, for the the Cycle Classic this year?
11: Uh, George Bennett. I mean, at at the race, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously having George and and, uh, Shane Archibald there, it definitely motivates a lot of young Kiwis and and just the fact that they turned up and and raced the Cycle Classic is, is a real benefit to New Zealand cycling and it's, you know, pretty... Awesome
2: of those two guys to do that this time, yeah. So, you're a former cyclist yourself, you know, you know what it's like to ride. Can you explain in simple terms why cycling is so popular and it's in Europe in the road system and why sometimes Kiwis just don't understand that?
11: Yes, both cycling and soccer is New Zealand's rugby, and uh. Uh, the big good thing with Europe is there's a lot of racing on and they bring the racing to the people and the racing is, is around the streets, around their
0: houses and
11: um, it's televised and it, it has a, a massive following and culture that's been existed for, you know, probably yeah, a long time anyway. So uh, it's just built up over a period and, and they've got all the big classics. They've got to, the, to the France, to Spain, uh, the Giro Italia. So they've, they've just got a, a massive uh, following of um, fans really.
2: What one would suspect, though, for a young cyclist wanting to be a pro cyclist, it's also pretty brutal. It would be—I get the impression it's quite cutthroat. If you—if you—if you don't make the mark, you're gone.
11: Pretty much, yes. Yeah, not your yeah, sort of nine to five, forty-hour week. If, um, you know, I mean, a lot of young guys—you give a few years to to show show their ability and and uh, see future talent out of them, but. I mean, guys, you know, without the teams like Blacksparker, you know, someone like George Bennett, he's been through through the hard way. And, and it's it's few and far between that guys like himself can actually make it just because of wrong advice or they take the wrong path earlier on. But it's definitely not an e- easy path without um, without support. And then to have a local, local support from New Zealand and the New Zealand culture and sitting up in Europe just... Brings uh, brings these keys almost home when they're living in um, in Belgium. So it just it gives them a, it definitely gives them a head
2: start. That's interesting. You've said the C word culture, yeah, New Zealand culture. So for us to understand how you make it a New Zealand culture, what goes on on a daily or weekly basis to make them feel like they're you know at home.
11: Um, I think just being around other Kiwis, like not a lot changes for them. I mean, the biggest thing we've got to get them to do is actually. But meeting um, with a few European riders just to to show them and, and teach them different ways as well. But yeah, the, the Kiwis are very um, so overall they're quite a relaxed sort of human being, and they uh, they do they, they don't seem to handle anything. Um, they don't complain; they, they just get on with the job, and, and they generally always have a good time doing it. You know, which is always pretty cool when you're over there.
2: Now, black spokes normally about having Kiwis, but you got a Scot. You had a Scotsman who won the the race this year. What was the what was the go there?
11: Yeah, well, he's he's probably a bit of a stray. He got left here during COVID, and uh, he's he's become a Kiwi at at, at heart, I think. Um, and he just, I mean, he's helped out so many young New Zealand riders over the last couple of years. And, and the way he he um, he can himself and shows and, and leads, uh, he, he has a massive following. Um, here in New Zealand, and so many Kiwis are right behind Mark. It's, it's quite impressive what he's done in, in the short period of time.
2: When we talk about what a rider of his experience, gold medalist at 2018 Commonwealth Games, when we talk about the experience that they give, in a practical sense, what do you see being given?
11: Um, it's just the information that he's he's relaying and the experiences that he's had. I mean he's still to be honest he's only twenty six he's still quite a young guy he calls himself an old rider but i mean mark's just getting started i mean if if someone like himself doesn't make vodger in the next couple of years, I'd be very surprised the, the, um, the way he rode the cycle class is it, it pretty freakish and i mean the, the power that he was putting out and his numbers are absolutely amazing so um it's not a once he gets off the bike, he was just such a leader for the guys and a motivator um he just he just lifted the whole team culture that he yeah, and and, and there's nothing wrong with it in the first place either. So uh, it's just great having them on.
2: And then you get Regan Goff doing his job winning stages and then suddenly you're going, oh, <laughs> yeah. ha- happy days.
11: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they're just absolutely the turf of for the like, um, Yeah, obviously it, it makes it all worthwhile.
2: So uh, I, I have to ask you, though, your impression of what George Bennett is doing you know, this he, at 33, he is now what you what would you call him among the best support riders in the world for the rocks? what would you, how would you describe him?
11: Yeah, I mean, George is someone that probably is one of the best in the world as well. But the, the problem is, if um, you're looking at targeting races like the Tour de France, and, uh, you, you know, there's there's always one or two guys that are just pure standouts, and to be one of those guys is, is one in a million. So, I mean, that's uh, that's where he's placed himself. But I mean, if you look at George and his history, he's definitely good enough to be a leader of a
2: team. That's a to thing. Pretty impressive, huh? Hey, Scott. I really appreciate your time. Congratulations, champ! Because you, you your team won the Cycle Classic and they didn't starve. From, from what I read, it went from woe to go. And it, it would have been nice. It must have been nice just racing in New Zealand in in the summer, right?
11: Oh, definitely. And yeah, it was good racing with a decent field. And I mean. Uh, it's this brand that's someone like Drew Sandoval is, is putting on these races for Kiwis and we need more organisers like himself to make, make this happen so we can get more younger riders racing.
2: Mate, I appreciate the time, Scott Guyden. Thanks so much from Blackspoke Black Spoke Racing on NZ Summer Days. So, so you get a it's a, an all New Zealand team, which is uh, looked after by Murray Bolton, Bolton Equities, Blackspoke Racing, fully professional team. So I didn't realise that. I'd heard about it, didn't understand it. that They actually go to Europe for a season. So they have fourteen all young riders. They have that second tier, but for him to make it quite clear that cycling is and football are the big sports, the big sports in Europe, uh, it suddenly all makes a Heck of a lot of sense, so that's what's going on. And congratulations to Mark Stewart, an adopted Kiwi, we might say now. But the fact that he was giving back is the is the key to it all. To think he was dropped by British Cycling Pre-Olympics because he couldn't be over there, so held an incredibly high esteem. And of course, but mean if you're part of that British Cycling system, you are no slouch. So we are very fortunate to have Mark Stewart, the current champion of the New Zealand Cycle Classic in this country purely because his girlfriend's out here, she's a Kiwi, and got caught by Covered. You can hear from Mark Stewart tomorrow on the Summer Breakfast. They'll be having a chat to him, which is a really cool thing as well. It is 12.17. This is SENZ Summer Days. Uh, still to come, we'll talk to Dan Shamir about the... Sky Sport Breakers finally getting their first win of the year. It's early days. It feels, you know what? It feels like it's been going forever, but they're only like seven into going into the seventh round. We might do it with Jack's Links. What makes you think? Uh, coming up next here on SENZ Summer Days. Summer
3: Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
9: Jack Links makes you think. Irresistible flavour to satisfy your hunger.
2: And in this, Jack Links makes you think, thanks to your new maple and brown sugar ham jerky, we have to sort of address the Novak Djokovic case, don't you? Because I've been thinking about this for the last three or four days. So Novak Djokovic is still waiting, and his case will be heard today in court in Australia. Just a couple of things here. He was given no assurances that a medical exemption would allow him into Australia. Uh, who uh, these? And this is what the lawyers are saying who want to get him out of there. The court, following by lawyers for the Australian government, also really revealed that he is unvaccinated. He's a a noted anti-vaxxer. Australian COVID border rules ban non-double vaccinated foreigners from entering unless they've got a medical exemption from having the jabs. His legal team, this is Djokovic, argue a recent infection gives him a valid exemption. But what they're forgetting here is that the rules say non-double vaccinated foreigners cannot enter the country. The case is due to go to before a judge today. Now, Tennis Australia has said it needs to know by Tuesday if he would be allowed to play as it has to schedule his matches of the tournament. Well, hang on a minute, Tennis Australia. You were the one. And this is where it gets murky. What role has Tennis Australia played in this? Did they give him advice or bad advice to say he could come under his current situation? On Saturday, Djokovic's lawyers submitted a 35-page document arguing their client fulfilled the criteria for a vaccine exemption certificate because of the COVID infection, which was confirmed by a PCR test on December 16. But in Sunday's court filing, lawyers for Australia's Home Office dismissed this as a valid reason. Quote, There's no suggestion the applicant had acute major medical illness. All he said is tested positive for COVID-19. It's not the same, it said, adding there was no such thing as an assurance of entry by non-citizen into Australia. It's also said it is common ground between the two parties that the applicant is unvaccinated. For me, it is quite simple here. Novak Djokovic is trying to be some, I don't know, some, some guy to, to, to rally the anti-vax troops using his position as an incredibly talented, incredibly talented athlete and global identity for his own devices. He is not even thinking about the greater population. He's simply thinking about himself and the potential of breaking a record and becoming the most uh, grand winner of Grand Slams in history. He's a selfish idiot. And I say that nicely because I don't take away from the fact he's also an incredibly talented individual. But you can't break the rules if the rules say this. And it, they uh, must be as thick as two short planks. If they think they can go in there saying, well, he's got COVID, uh, had COVID, that'll get us through. When the rules state you have to be doubly vaccinated. No vac, go home. Simple as that. And that was Jack Link's Makes You Think. Thanks to the all new ham jerky with hickory smoke and a dash of maple and brown sugar, they've gone the whole hog too. Paul Mawati, did you go the whole hog with that packet of Jack's links I saw you scrounging down the other day? <laughs> it's
10: very hard. Very,
2: very, very moorish. Very, very moorish. Are you with me on this Novak thing? Just go home. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
7: uh, yeah it's, it's, it's pretty simple, really. Yeah,
2: it's not hard. If you're not vaccinated, don't come in. Oh, I'm not vaccinated. Well, then don't come in. Hey, what do you got for me? This, so this is our good friend Paul Mwati from the TAB. You can catch the best of live racing. Download the TAB app today. What's What gives today, my friend?
7: Uh, well, it's the final day of the NFL regular season. Oh, yes. <laughs> Your boys have already... They've made it through, haven't they? Yeah, they're, they're boy! Be smacked, be smacked,
2: <laughs> smacked Philly yesterday. Put fifty-one on Dak Prescott, five, five touchdowns, and the most passes in a season uh, by a Dallas Cowboy. Did thirty-seven, I think it was for the season.
7: Yeah, he's been very, very good, and uh, your boys will certainly—they're—they're they're a chance. I, th- uh, I think they are actually yeah, now they, I, they, I they are. are. Now, uh, we've still got uh, one game to start this afternoon. The Last Bakers Raiders are hosting the LA Chargers. Mm. Uh, this is a funny game because if they tie this game, both of them make it through. Uh, now, I'm not suggesting they're going to tie this yeah. game, but uh, we've seen this sort of thing happen in, I think, uh, in the European Championship or in uh, World Cups where... Uh, two teams were playing one another and they needed a draw to both make it through to the knockout stages. And funnily enough, that happened. Now, I, I don't see this happening in today's game. Uh, the Raiders are slight outsiders at home and we have taken a wee bit of cash on the Chargers to win that game. So uh, if the Raiders win, they're in the playoffs. If the Chargers win, they're in the playoffs. Um, oh. if they tie the match, they're both in the playoffs. I'm not saying that, but we've got a bonus back promotion on that match. Uh, on the winning team and Margin, uh, just check the TAV website for all the T's and C's around that. We've also got a bonus back promotion on the two Big Bash matches today and tonight. Uh, the Melbourne Stars are up against the Adelaide Strikers and the Hobart Hurricanes up against the Sydney Thunder uh, once again, check out the TAP website for all the season
2: Yeah, te- Yes, yeah. te- I have no interest in that. <laughs> I'm, 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 I have been. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but it's interesting. You know, a lot of people, people have been talking about the NFL this season. Uh, yeah, uh, an extra week. But for some reason, I've been captivated by it this week. Uh, do you have genuinely? Have you watched more NFL this season than last, or not? Be honest with me, Paul. You don't have to fib.
7: Uh, yes, I have.
2: Yeah. Who's your team? Watch more. <laughs>
7: um, I'm a Packers fan.
2: Well, you got beaten up today. You got beat, but it didn't even matter. I mean, you... no, it didn't
7: matter. We've got the uh, number one seed in the NFC, so we're going to buy first week of the playoffs. Um, so we're sitting back, um, nice and rested, <laughs> you're, you're... waiting for the boys, waiting for you boys to get bashed up in the first week.
2: Hey, uh, but just just a little note here: you lost to Detroit. <laughs> now you you may have the number one seed and be having the week off, but you lost to Detroit.
7: Yeah, yeah not too many teams have done that. This
2: season, <laughs> no, not 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 a lot have done that se- this season, mate. So you can you know, can suck that one up. Uh, I, I tell you, it's interesting though. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, an an older quarterback still delivering. I love that, don't you?
7: a hundred percent he just he, sort of like a, a a really good bottle of burgundy he just gets better uh, uh, as age goes by and uh, I just yeah, it's been great watching him. um Tom Brady, of course who uh, it just looks like time has no effect on Tom Brady. Yeah. He, he's made a deal with the devil or something <laughs> stuff <just, he>, is <laughs> going on.
2: Yeah, i yeah, tell you what's, what's interesting to me. I want to know if the hair's real because every time it comes out, it looks a little bit too high for me. Now, it's either lot, lots of product or something's not right. I'm convinced I'm convinced Brady's got plugs.
7: <laughs> I, yeah, I've, got, I've got no evidence to suggest that, so I'll stay out of that one. Uh, I, yeah, keep me out of that one. Oh, oh. By the way, we're live betting right now uh, on the tournament, uh, the Century Tournament of Champions uh, in Maui, Hawaii. Uh, Cameron Smith, who leads that tournament at the moment, he's $1.87 uh, to win. John Rahm, who's only one shot back, is at $2.42. And Matt Jones, uh, fellow Aussie. He's at $18. Looks like it's only three that are really in it at the moment. Yeah, Smith is at 30 under, Rahm 29 under, and Jones at 28 under. Ah, wow,
2: 30 under. That's ridiculous. Paul, thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, Stephen. ya, buddy. Uh, that's Paul Mwadi from the TAB. Just watch and bet live on your favourite sports and a racing at the tab.co.nz. And please gamble responsibly. It's R18. It's also half past 12. SNZ Summer Days on a Monday. We'll be talking to Dan Schmier, coach of the Sky Sport Breakers, shortly just to uh, trying to track him down. He is expecting the call from us. So news from Tennis New Zealand about 10 minutes ago. They have a new Davis Cup captain, and it is a name you may or may not recognise. depends how old you are. Kelly Evenden is the new Davis Cup captain. Now, he'll fulfil this role from his base in Seattle, where he has a coaching coaching uh, academy you might say but he'll also travel to meet with players, uh, something Tennis New Zealand high performance director Christoph Lambert thinks will be of great benefit, quote, having someone of Kelly's stature leading our Davis Cup team is brilliant for New Zealand tennis with many of our top players playing college tennis in the US, Kelly will be able to spend plenty of time mentoring them alongside their college coaches he'll also get the chance to link up with our ATP pros regularly as well. Uh, Evans says he's excited by the challenge of working with New Zealand's top male players, quote, representing New Zealand in Davis Cup meant everything to me as a player, and now to be able to do so as a captain is a great honour. I really enjoyed my time with the team in Newport back in September for the most recent tie. We have a couple of very experienced ATP pros and some talented young and -and up-and-coming players. The job is to get the right chemistry and effort from those selected to give us a fighting chance. I'm really looking forward to getting to work alongside uh, Christoph Marina, that's Marina Rakovic, who looks after the Fed Cup team, and the rest of the team at Tennis New Zealand. He begins his role from February the 1st and takes charge of the first tie in March of this year. So that's pretty cool. Kelly Evenden is the new Davis Cup coach. Um, Still trying to track down Dan Shamir, I
3: love Kelly Evenden,
2: just lo- by the oh, way. You, you, you loved him because he had long hair and a headband.
3: And an attitude. Man, he had an attitude. I remember going to a Davis Cup match when I was a kid in Christchurch. They used to play at Wilding Park all the time. Yeah. Al Stunt was actually part of that team. Yeah. Uh, it was Brett, Steve and Callie Evenden. They were the two oh,
8: wow. two
3: big dogs. And one um, match, Kelly Evenden was down two sets to love. And the Christchurch crowd quickly turned on Kelly because <laughs> uh, we didn't think he was playing too well. You, you red and blacks. You like mer- that down You there. are merciless. Exactly. Carlos Spencer, Mark Carter, and Kelly Evenden were three guys <laughs> who we always ribbed. As even though they were Kiwis, he was playing for New Zealand, and you should rally behind him at that stage and get him over the line. So but you, no, put,
2: you put the boot in, yep, and, he, and he rallied. And he rallied back.
3: He rallied back, and he let everyone in the crowd know with a very... Nice gesture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that. Thanks a lot for helping me, everyone, with a one-finger salute. And ever since then, as a kid, when you see someone do that, you're like, "You're the man, Kelly Evenden."
2: Yeah, look, and, and I think that's that's the one thing. And tennis New Zealand's got a lot a long way to go too, because that last tie in uh, Newport was was terrible. You know, they should have beaten the Koreans, and they didn't. And 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 you know, uh, they 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 are they need to find the right talent. And, yeah. and and there's there's not a lot. There is some around. There is not a lot going around. They've got they've got to get their selection policy right as well. Because I tell you what, the, when I think about it, today would have been the first day for me, uh, for the ASB Classic. You know, I I I don't think people. I think maybe it affects me more, and those who are involved more that we're actually not doing it. You know, this is the second year now, and I, right now, I do not see the ASB Classic coming back. Right now, and now that's a, that might be a at very all? that might be a very very narrow mm. view, a very narrow view. And I hope it does come back. But you're going to have to find someone, a tournament director, with the vision that Carl Budge had. And I don't think people, you know, Carl may have rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way because he he's a winner. He's a, he's an absolute out and out winner, and he looks at things differently than a lot of other people looked at. His experience on the WTA tour, working there, helped him immensely, but it was his relationships that helped even more. Because anyone that, as I said to you last week, that could get the two Williams sisters, you know, and and the quality of talent that he brought to come and play in New Zealand and then in the men's era – also bring good, strong, very strong fields. And which and when the hot shots came in, nine times out of 10, the top seeds weren't there because someone else was coming here. Then to create an environment that consistently won awards for tournaments at this level, which was basically it was tier three because it was a, you're talking, you know, the prize money wasn't huge. It was 43,000 American, which, you know, is chicken feed. But... You, then you throw into on top of those you've got prize money you've got flights you' got to pay accommodation and yes you do for the big guns have to pay appearance fees and that's probably the one area that maybe tennis has to change at that at, at, at a certain level when you've got tennis players making millions of dollars right but a lot of that particularly off the field off court excuse me and then to them to decide they'll come if you don't pipe drop 50 US on them or 100 US or even half a million US for the big names. That's, you know, that I think is, that's got to be worked around to make it better so you can have, and maybe even just better fields and put pressure on them because you know, the the, the ATPs are really tough. The Players Association is tough because they understand, quite rightly, they understand that they are the meat in the sandwich. They are, you know, they're the good bits. That's why people go and see them play, right? And so I think it's going to be a very hard job to find another Carl Budge because you can't go backwards. You know, he has, The benchmark has been set. Compl- oh, the
3: benchmark's ridiculous.
2: So high. Well, considering that it is probably one of only two tournaments still in the world that allows courtside catering, which can be a pain in the bum sometimes for players, but I think what players loved most about coming... To the ASB Classic was the feel. You know, they had when when they rebuilt the te- ASB Tennis Centre, uh, they did a really good job. And so the gym area and the changing rooms area, this the simple things that any athlete likes. You know, the facilities were five star. Then of course they had uh, the the cafe there, all that all that stuff. And then finally they they rebuilt the stand of the Honiara yards. And I don't think we, we understand truly that. Maybe around the world, some of the events aren't that flash. I mean, you know, he got sponsors on board, car sponsor board, They 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 ran their plazas. Everything was, and everybody loved doing it. And I think, he, and he always made quite clear on on finals day, the amount of volunteers and then and how good they were because they were tireless. You know, we were working there for Sky Sport because it was our job, and we loved it. I mean, I miss. I mean, I've, I've spoken to Robbie Koenig, who, and we hope to speak to Robbie about the. The Australian Open at the end of the week, who the South African commentator who came and just absolutely loved coming here because it was a fun tournament. Yeah, well, they're long hours, trust me. You know, you don't blink at a 12 or 13 hour day, particularly if you get rain, right? And then there was Barbara Shett, who's actually has been in Adelaide. She's based in the Gold Coast and she would love coming out here. So for the last two years, it hasn't felt right. Not having the ASB. Classic, a couple of friends of mine have have tweeted or put photos out on their Facebook page saying, "Oh, you know, wasn't this wasn't this none?" I came back and said, "Yeah, this it was amazing. It was amazing to have to be able to to do this, and it's you, you feel a little maudlin inside, because, maudlin, maudlin, sad. Uh, yes, I know it's a big you. word for you, yeah, uh, but it's and you go, I just want life to be back to normal again because then. And And it's not going to be for a little while, and so to see Australia have tournaments and not have the ASB classic, which today yes would have been the start of the well actually would it have been this year the first two weeks or maybe yeah normal tenth or could have been the last anyway uh of that the Classic, you go, no fair,
3: yeah, and it's unique sporting experience as a fan as well. We don't get to see high-level tennis a lot in New Zealand.
2: And I think that why it worked so well, why it worked so well, it became an event. It didn't become just a tournament. And, yes, it was in Auckland and, you know, people could say, but the people travelled all over the country to come here uh, and it was an event. That was the difference. Carl made it accessible outside of the arena saying, well, if you couldn't afford tickets and they weren't super expensive, but you know, if you couldn't come in and sit in the stands, you just go sit out there and and where all the restaurants, they sort of the pop ups were, with a big screen on a beanbag and have a good day, and and that was the most important thing. And I I think that was another part of what was going on with with the ASB Classic. I mean, do you miss the ASB Classic at home? Do you miss not being able to watch it on the telly? Do you miss not being able to go to? Why don't you give me a call and, and let me know what you think? Oh eight hundred. One five zero eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. New Zealand four hundred and fifteen for four. Now that's four hundred and fifteen for four. Daryl Mitchell is off the mark on one. Tom Latham stuck just a little bit. He's sitting on two hundred and ten. And just remember, we uh, just lost to Ross Taylor recently out for twenty eight. Not probably not the way he wanted to finish his last test but it looks like they are going to. Well, they've posted a decent score already, John, haven't they? I mean, you want 600, but 415 for four. The bowlers will have to do their work. That's so that,
3: pretty good. 415. Can Bangladesh in two innings make 415 from what we saw in the first test? Yes. <laughs> but can they back oh, it up? Can they oh, back it up?
2: Now now, now. there's now this the voice of doubt Doubtstain to, to haunt John. All right, it's
3: 12.45. Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
2: to with Stephen McIver, no sign of Dan Schmier. Apologies for that. We had him locked in. He has gone MIA. That's missing in action, so we apologise for that. Uh, Tom Latham, 214, off 338. Uh, Daryl Mitchell still on the single, uh, having faced four balls. Interesting little story on uh, stuff today uh, in regards to former... All black coach Steve Hanson because the, and this is and this is this is what I find childish really when it comes to English rugby. The New England rugby boss uh, Bill Swinney wants to see England win another World Cup to quote, shove it up Sir Steve Hanson's nose. Well, just Steve Hanson's nose. Apparently, it all goes back to a a dinner they had. He used to he used to be the big boss for Adidas, and uh, they used to go and. Uh, take the the likes of the coaches and some more backs there for testing of, of ju- the jerseys. Anyway, long story short, and this you, you find this one. Uh, so he goes at one point. Steve stood up and raised his glass and made a toast, saying, "You're the only Englishman in here. You won the World Cup in 2003, so fantastic, well done. You'll never win one again." And he's held on to this. This was back in 2000s. He's he's held on to this and can't let it go. It does make me wonder what goes on, and I mean, what is it about? What is it about the Rugby Football Union that they feel they are, are so above anybody else? I don't understand it. Steve was having fun. You can imagine Sir Steve Hansen just having a little bit of fun about this and going, "Yeah, well, you never want another one," and away you go. But he says, "I want to shove it up Steve Hansen's nose one day." Uh, I, I, find that, I find that weird. I don't know about you, John, but I just... Uh, the English, when it comes to their rugby, when it's a, a minority sport in England, and that's what they tend to forget, it's an old boys sport over there, right? Oh, very much uh, yes, so. They have, yes, they have the league. Don't get me wrong, they have the league and, and, and the likes, but, you know, to, to think that they can go off and do... Just...
3: There's something there, though, between the All Blacks and England, isn't there? Because we're just the colony, but we are the <laughs> best. We're the best at their sport, and they hate it. They Because they're all the snooty... Tight upper class, you know, and we're just the you know we're just the New Where Zealanders. We're the colonials, exactly. The colonials that perfected how to play their sport. And so whenever we give them a little jibe, they hold on to it. It hurts them deep. It cuts them deep. And we don't play England very often,
2: no. Um, so when it
3: comes round to it, it's a big deal. Gotta it's say a the big last event. time they
2: played us, which was the World Cup semi, wasn't it? They, they it was the World yeah, it Cup. Yeah, it was good. They did play well. They smashed us. They smashed. I've us. I've never they...
3: seen an All Blacks pack dismantled like that before in my life. I was there live for that game. Oh, and it was were you?
2: Very deflating. Oh, that's right. You're on the telly then, weren't you? you, you yeah, I was. You, 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 look, actually, you did a really good job, by the way. I never told you that. Oh, thanks. You did a really Steven. good job on the telly for for what's now Discovery TV3 yeah, and or uh, News Hub uh, and and News Hub. Well, yes, that's right. Uh, so,
3: but Steve Hansen has thin, thin skin as well. They all kind of do. It's weird um, because Andrew Gordy, after that game, said, "You know, did your team turn up to play tonight? Did you? Were you ready?" For this, for this England onslaught, Indian. and Steve Anson said, Well do you want to talk about this outside?" <laughs> so you know they've all got their thin skin and they're all just a little bit grumpy underneath.
2: Wow, yeah? unbelievable! Do you want it? That's a great. That's a great quote, eh? Do you want to talk about this outside? Well, not really, but okay. It's twelve. It's twelve fifty three. It's
3: Kiwi for sport.
2: Twelve fifty eight this Monday afternoon with Stephen McIver. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. A uh, wicket review going on in Christchurch at the moment. That of the wicket of Daryl Mitchell. So I don't think, John Day, that 600's going to happen. i got this funny feeling, but there you go. Uh, Tom Latham still in there on 215, and there you go. So uh, you you guys, can you see the review at all? You can't see the review? I can't. Uh, see we them.
3: can see the review, Stephen. And what's um, what, the ball's what's going the past the bat. Uh, it's going to be, caught be- it's, uh, given out, caught behind. And given Daryl out. Mitchell, normally you know as a batsman whether you've hit the ball or you've not. You've snicked it, whatever, yeah. So he has gone upstairs, and there's not a sharp spike, but there is... A spike, but the ball hasn't quite gone past the bat. So has the bat hit the pad, Stephen? Uh,
2: I don't know. Has it? I can't see. I can't.
3: You guys are the ones that can see. Uh, He's given them out. Uh, The review's gone upstairs. The spike beside the bat was enough in three quite quick wickets with Henry Nicholls, Ross Taylor, and
2: now Daryl Mitchell. All out. Four twenty-three for five. It's four hundred twenty-three for five. Uh, in Christchurch, I had a quick text here uh, from George who he said, hey Stephen, just an NFL question uh, do you think the Washington football team will finally find a coach that will bring a winning culture to them? I don't know mate, because I'm not the person to ask, I-, I would like to think what their new name is going to be, I'm hearing maybe the Presidents or the Admirals the Washington Presidents or the Admirals, which makes sense to me. I actually thought about the Presidents because, of course, you're in Washington, you know, Presidents, yada, yada. Uh, but I hear the Admirals is uh, potentially a real name. Who knows? It's one of those – it's a it's a funny old thing, but a coach does change culture and can bring success. It, uh, George, I think the simple one is it's ha- who you choose. If they've got it right, they've done their homework, it'll be fine. Guess what? Amazon to do news. Five on a Monday afternoon with Stephen McIver and uh, five wickets down for New Zealand uh, against Bangladesh in the second test. Kelly, 4.23 for five. Mitchell, the last one to go, caught behind. So that'll be a little bit disappointing, but 423 on the board. Most of those, of course, Tom Latham, who's still in there on 215. Earlier on today, and we were really lucky to get this one because he is an incredibly busy man and off to ride for his new team. We spoke to New Zealand's premier road cyclist, uh, George Bennett, who's going to be racing for the number one road cycling team in the world in 2022. But he'd just come off a fourth place finish in the New Zealand Cycle Classic. And we first up asked him how he was feeling, how the body was feeling.
8: Yeah, I'm pretty good, actually. Pleasantly not me surprised. Um, you know, normally you get home from stage races and you're, you're absolutely in pieces. So, um, yeah, it's sort of been the perfect workload for me in the last, five days, you know, triple stages, um, was able to do a bit of extra training throughout the race and and then you got
2: some hard racing and so pretty happy with how I've come out of it. How important was it to be home to race this year?
8: Um, Well, I mean, you know, a lot of, it's not sort of, you know, a lot of the guys are replicating it by, you know, or doing altitude camps or something like that in Europe where there is, um, you know, potentially is a better uh, physiological adaptation um, being up high in altitude, but I think being here, you know, for me is really important because um, I don't get to see my family I don't get to see my friends for, you know, 11 months of a year sometimes or two months a year. So for me to come home and be able to do a bike race while I'm at home, um, that's really special because a lot of Kiwis haven't been able to see much racing. You know, people that normally go to Tour Down Under and things like that as well. Um, and yeah, and also I think it does help replicate you know those altitude camps and things like that to help keep you into the, the new season on the front
2: foot. Is it weird to come home and there's not sort of the the huge scourge of uh, coronavirus hanging around?
8: Oh, yeah. I think we man, we're so fortunate here. I think um, you know you hear a lot of criticism of of responses and things like that all the time, but um, I think that you know people should. See what's happening in, in where I live at home uh, in Europe so I think um, you know every year I come home last year this year when I've always looked back at New Zealand I know there's been lockdowns and it's been bloody tough for everybody um, but when I see what's happening where I live and, and what has happened and what we've gone through there because there's been absolutely zero control of anything um, I just feel very fortunate that we're here and there's, there's summer and and, um, and people are by far you know for the moment still really healthy and, and um, yeah it's just a really nice sort of let up from it um, where you know the rest of my life it, it is you know it's been okay the last year gone past but it has taken off in a big way again in, in the last sort of month or two so um, yeah it is I'm just enjoying it all I can because I know I have to get back over there and it's going to be another sort of big feature of my life going forward for the next year by the sounds of things.
2: Yeah, and a a huge challenge for you, George. Brand spanking new team, arguably, well, the biggest team. You come from Yumbo Vista, which was the big guns. Now you're with UCI World Team, UAE Team Emirates. I mean, how good is this for you?
8: Oh, I mean, so far it's been great. I mean, I haven't had a lot to do with them yet, so uh, I'll let you know once I've done all the racing and and had a big part of the team. But, um, you know, so far we've only sort of got together in UAE as a as an off-season camp and had a bit of fun with the boys and got to meet them, and they were they were really good guys. But in general, my experience has been really good. You know, I've been working hard with a new trainer. Um, I've had a whole new approach to my training, which, um, you know, not that the old approach was wrong, but, you know, I've been doing it for seven years with the same trainer, same stuff, same year, in and out. Um, so, yeah, just having that new stimulus has is, is really been an exciting change for me and also just my general dealings with new people. Um, Has been great. So, yeah, so far it's been a really positive experience. But um, it's still really early days. So, you know, we're going to see how it all how how it all unfolds.
2: That was George Bennett talking about his new team, which is which is pretty exciting to say the least. He's going to look after the world's number one rider and two-time two-time Tour de France winner, Tadej Pogacar, who's a Slovenian rider, only 20 years of age. you can remember, George is 33, but much sought after. Uh, that was from a little earlier on today. It one oh nine here on SENZ. Dan Shamir is the coach of the Sky Sport Breakers and probably a little bit happier now uh, getting that first win under the belt, Dan.
0: Definitely feels better and uh, it's been a long time, but... Uh People know me now. That immediately after the game, I still now feel I'm still feeling one in six, and uh, <laughs> not more than that. So hopefully, it's just uh, it start of something different than it's been until now.
2: Yeah, I think I think when you say one in six doesn't sound great, but it's early in early in the early in the season, and Dan, that's the most important thing. What contributed to the turnaround against Brisbane?
0: First of all, uh, some more one. Very important, healthy player is Peyton Siva, who I feel the uh, his presence on the court. I want the other players. I think even a player like Jeremiah Martin, who's been adjusting to uh, our system and kind of international basketball after playing on in the U.S., he looks much better when Peyton is around. So that's one thing. Second thing, uh, we had a lot of um, disturbances in the process, and we had. Pretty good two weeks. Accidentally, because of this COVID uh, break, we had a few players with COVID, but uh, nonetheless, we still had uh, pretty good practices. The guys uh, did uh, step it up. Hopefully, we can build on it and it continues.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's combinations, right? It's it's feeling it's feeling comfortable as as you have told me before. You know, living in this world where COVID is all over the place, at the moment it does uh, handle, uh, sorry, put up its challenges. Uh, Yanni Wetzel, is he getting better?
0: And he's a great, great player, and uh, for us, he's uh, playing a key role. So uh, I think he's getting better because he's just at the age that uh, people are getting better, and he's very intelligent and he takes up details and works hard. So he's been amazing. He still has a lot of room to grow. Um, last night, obviously, it was amazing with his uh, number and performance, but kind of felt it throughout the week that he was taking charge. Uh, since He mentioned that in the press conference, and I really felt it, that his charm um, is out, who didn't play almost at all. And in the 16 minutes that he played, we felt how important his presence is. But with losing him, Yanni is one of the guys that needed to step up in terms of Leadership and communication on the court. I think he did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a lot of room to grow in terms of uh, skills. You know, he can improve a lot of things, but uh, he's an amazing player. He can play anywhere.
2: Dan, I noted in, in the uh, story that it was interesting that the mention that Hugo Besson is starting to be a little more versatile, being able to shoot from outside You know, the arc and, and driving to the rim. Is that something you have been working on?
0: Well, Hugo uh, has shown from the beginning that uh, he can be a dominant player. had a little setback in two games that were a little tougher for him um, versus Melbourne and versus Tasmania. And um, he's definitely a versatile player. Sorry about the noise. I'm outside. That's okay. I hope it's okay. That's okay, mate. Um, He's definitely versatile. I think he played a very good game yesterday just because... He was solid, um, took his opportunities, uh, used his athleticism to drive, made open shots. That's how. That's the baseline for him, and he definitely can develop more as a target player who creates more for the others, makes more good reads and right passes. This is stuff he need to work on.
2: You know when you look at it you know I know you said you know, you still feel like you're one of six you're one and six, but you're not too far off moving up the table. another one or two and uh, you're back in the hunt, really aren't you
0: yeah, it's always one step at a time, and, uh, and everybody who's been in the business from both sides knows that sometimes one play one play changes the season, and i've been in situations like that where things are going really, really bad, and the game goes bad. And then somebody makes a big play, you get a big win, and you go on a run. So I don't know if this is the beginning because we we have a lot of work to get what we want. But it's always one step at a time, and that's what we'll key on. We'll key on the next game. We have a doubleheader next week versus Tasmania and Sydney. And uh, once you start playing right, wins are coming.
2: I mean, a lot of professional coaches talk about consistency and having a healthy team. You haven't had a healthy team. You haven't been able to feel your number one side at any time this season. So maybe, maybe as they say in our world, the worm is turning.
0: Yeah, we're still, again, don't get me wrong, sometimes these things uh, sound like excuses. And I don't make excuses, but we also don't, hide and go away from uh, the reality. We're missing Tom a lot. I'm missing him. We're going to play Brisbane. I prepare to the game and I'm missing him in defending Lamar Pedersen. I'm missing him when we go to to play Tasmania. Just what he can do versus a guy like Josh Adams. So, uh, and that impacts us for sure, his experience, etc. So And that's a long time to go until we'll have a full team. We did have our issues. Teams need to deal with that and cope with that. Uh, Sometimes it's a little too much when you don't have your point guard and your two guard and your captain. So sometimes teams can't cope with that. But now we have uh, Peyton back and I feel we can uh,
2: compete. Well, the encouraging sign, I'm just looking at the numbers. Uh, You're the highest scoring team in the league. The only problem is you're, you're also conceding the most points in the league.
0: Yeah, our defense definitely has been our main issue. Um, we haven't found a way to be aggressive enough. Yesterday we showed some moments. We also went uh, to a few different and a little bit more aggressive coverages on the defense event. I personally like my team to play solid, so without gambling, just be nice and tough and get stopped, but uh, we didn't get there. Uh, yet some of our players need to learn. So we have young guys who played in second division in France and third division in France. The NPL is a different story. It's different type of talent, intensity, and speed. So these are just two um, players that are uh, playing a lot. Other guys need to learn the coverages. Uh, a guy like uh, Jeremiah Martin who played mostly in the G League. The coverages are a little different, also the rigs. So we have a lot of work. Uh, at least this week, we bought the mentality. We're also 0-6. So if teams don't bring everything to the government when they're 0 then <laughs> I don't know when.
9: Well, the
2: most important thing is you got the win. So that's the and that mentally, psychologically for the team, that takes you to a different space altogether. Uh, I, I, it, feels, it feels good, Dan, and, and I know you're not afraid of hard work. So thanks for giving us your time and the best of luck this weekend.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.
2: There you go, Dan Schmier, the coach of this Sky Sport. Breakers who are now 1-6. and six. And when you think there are teams above them that have only won two games as well, uh, that, that is uh, the Bullets, the 36ers and the Tasmanian Jumpers who beat them last time out. Uh, you know, this season is not done. It's a long way off, but you can sense. I, I should have asked them. I should have asked them. I've been, uh, so many professional coaches talk to me and they say, defence is about attitude. So they may be scoring plenty, and they are scoring plenty. They're they're five hundred and fifty seven for and six hundred and twenty nine against. We know where their issue is. It's D. If they if they tighten their D up, the Sky Sport Breakers are well in the mix. They just got a long way to go and they've got a lot of games to win. So that's how it rolls, right?
3: Absolutely, and Dan Shamir is a winner. He's come from Israeli basketball where he's coached a winning team up there, but he's come down to New Zealand at a really successful franchising and team and he hasn't been able to deliver. And I'm not sure, I don't think it's because of Dan, because everyone I talk to, all the journos who love their basketball and the breakers are like, Dan is a great coach. It's just maybe the team has changed ownership, it's changed identity, very reliant on uh, imports now more than the Kiwi tall black players that they had. Yeah. And the fans want success. So I'm thinking with Dan Shamir yeah. at 0-6 into his third year of coach after missing the playoffs two years Pressure's in a row. on, right?
2: Pressure is on, Stephen. Pressure. What, they do three back-to-back-to-back? To back to back. They went back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, didn't they, in the Halcyon days? Yeah, they did. They Yeah, did. And, and they, they a and they, <laughs> bit like the ASB Classic, were an event to go to. They were a great place to have a night out.
3: And still are. Like yeah. Matt Walsh has done well there. That's one thing he does great. When you go to the Breakers at Spark Arena, it's a great time. It really is. You don't have to like basketball at all, and <laughs> you'll have a ripping time. So they've got that right. But it's just their team changes every year. They've got new imports, and people like just not gelling, and the whole culture of the team has changed.
2: And I think I think when you're buying players that you know you're only going to have for a season, that doesn't probably unsettle as a side, too. Like, uh, I think uh, there's Hugo Besson, one of the other Frenchmen. They're all wanting to draft, going to the NBA Straight draft. away, yeah. Straight yeah. away into yep. the draft as well, right? And so you, you've you got to find the balance. RJ
3: Hampton before as well. There you go. Straight from the breakers Where to he, the did NBA. Did he end up anywhere? Yeah, he did. He had a really good season last season. I think he's injured at the moment. Who I before? mean, this season. Who I, Is he Charlotte Hornets? Oh, I don't know. At the top of my head. Um, okay He's turned into a player He is oh, okay. good
2: Well it, they said he was always Going to be a player He yeah. didn't go as high In the draft though Did he as they thought No
3: he's not as good As Lamello Ball I think was here At the same time Lamello
2: at, Ball Was it Lamello Mello yeah, yeah. Mello. There's Lonzo no, 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 And no. Lamello No we had Well who had Illawarra had one of them Yeah <laughs>
3: exactly, and there was a huge night at Spark Arena when Illawarra played the Breakers and it was Hampton against Ball. Yeah, that's right. And Hampton blocked Ball for a runaway dunk. It was just a massive moment in the competition. And
2: apparently the the social media figures for that game went through yeah. ball- ballistic, particularly from stateside in the US. Apparently the, the eyeballs on that game... Were amazing.
3: Yeah. Unbelievable. It's got interest now and they've got to deal with ESPN, the NBL. It's turning into a hell of a league and the breakers at the moment are being left behind a little bit because they used to own the old league yeah. But this new league. It'll be alright, mate. Mm. Come on, come okay. on. Let's
2: let's be confident. Let's, let's give him a little golf clap and move on. Right. It's uh, it's one twenty one still to come before two o'clock. We talked to Doug Bollinger uh, about the Ashes series so far and what he thought of the fourth test, which ended up in a draw. Just uh, do you want a little update on the cricket? Let me just double check so you see what's going on. I can't find out. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Put me in place. It's lunchtime. Move on.
3: Hewitt's Babies, um, oh, of another course, because we're, we're, we're,
2: we're crossing over into afternoons, aren't we? Yeah. We're, we're, sort of, we're a hybrid. We are. Don't mind being a hybrid. Rather be hybrid than full electric. Would
3: you? Oh, completely. What about Hayden Patton, though? He's gone full electric. Do yeah, you not like Hayden
2: Patton? No, I, love, I don't love Hayden. I like Hayden yeah, Patton a lot. he's great. But, uh, well, it's, uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting because what used to be called WRC is now called Rally One, I discovered the other day. Okay. And they this is the first year they go to hybrid powertrains. And there is some talk, some talk that with the rally of New Zealand here in September, back on the cards, Yahoo, that Hayden may race a rally two spec car. So he may actually race in the rally of New Zealand, but not in the top. Uh, flight Rally One car,
3: but what if the Rally One teams have a third car, which quite oh, often no, they that, do, and they see a guy like Hayden Patton oh on yes. his home roads? He's won rallies
2: before. Yes, now I understand that. the there top is a, class? There is a thing called ching mm. You know, we're talking millions of dollars to bring teams down here and to run teams, and these teams, you know. So, oh, I, I mean, Hayden is the nicest. He has his company is producing this all electric. Uh, Hyundai, which is amazing, and of which I have had uh, the pleasure of being a passenger in, and it is amazing. Yeah, you. It was at Jack's Ridge, which was cancelled this year, uh, but last year at Jack's Ridge, he took me for a scoot up and over, and unbelievable. You don't, and particularly with rally, because it, there is so much noise going on, right? In a rally car, yeah, you don't really care, and you just sitting there going, wow, and. The funny thing was I'm, I'm waiting it for so maybe hum, you know, hum like a normal rally car, but it was like just <laughs> gravel and crap, and it, it was good fun. And his big issue then, and that's a year ago, was the, the weight and the – because it Bottoms up Where you go for a drop, a dip, at that, he was nervous, nervous that, that they crunched hard. It might sort of do damage to the battery mm. and, and things like that. But it's an amazing process he is going through. It, it is. Uh, it is an incredibly expensive process, uh, but he is determined, determined to give it a, a good nudge before everybody else goes electric. And, exactly. And he's he's turning them. People, uh, what they don't realize about this whole project with with Hayden is that it's a business of being a technology company. So he's actually actually building a technology company through this.
3: Yeah, with just some young guys. It's like a handful, eh? Him and some young guys Uh, just doing it down in Central Otago.
2: Yeah, they're they're based out of um, Highlands Motorsport Park, so it's good. It's Um, unreal. Okay, so it's 128 and a bit. What happens next? What happens next?
3: All right. Stephen, um, you can guess, but you too at home can also guess or wherever you are in your car at the beach. Um, Basically, I play some audio, and then you text in what you think happens next and you can win 50 bucks from the TAB. So this is part one. And it's going to be Kevin
4: Tammadi's been hauled out. Kevin Tammadi being sent to the sin bin, can't quite see uh, (laughs) who's being sent for Australia. (laughs) It was 10 minutes that he signaled. Less than 10 minutes in the game, obviously. So, hang on,
3: hang on. I know what happens I to don't me. know who the other Australian is that's been sin I do. It says in the commentary. I do. Do yeah. you think people need to hear that again, or do you think it's pretty obvious? Yeah, it's pretty
2: obvious, this one. Okay. Well, for you it is, Stephen. Oh, all right. Hurry but up But is then. it for you listening
3: at home? One more it,
2: time. One more time.
4: And it's going to be Kevin Tomaday's been hauled out. Kevin Tomaday being sent to the sin bin. Can't quite see... Uh, Who's being sent for Australia? It was 10 minutes that he signalled. Less than 10 minutes in the game, obviously. So there we go. <laughs> there we go, Double Stephen. A,
2: double three, if you know the answer, what happens next? It's half past one. One yeah. thirty-two on this Monday afternoon. And what happens next? Well... You know what? It's not as surprising that the texts have been flooding in because it was, uh, what do you call it? Is it an iconic moment in New Zealand rugby league history or is that, that gl- that's glamorising violence, isn't it?
3: Well, it was a different game back then, wasn't it, Stephen? Yeah, it was. What year were you? Gladiatorial. What, what, what year? Lang Park, what year was it? Was it Lang Park? Was it Lang Park? Or not Carlaw Park. Was it Lang Park? It was in New Zealand, wasn't it? No. No Was no, it not? It
2: was Lang Park Lang Park Yeah, yeah, yeah It was at Lang Park It was in Australia I'm sure of it Yeah oh. But anyway um, I know what happens here um, Do you know what happens? What stupid question So anyway, look um, Should I play what happens? Should we hear what happens next? Because we've got so many people That could win this, right? Absolutely there's... I think we have to pick The best answer Out yeah. of this one So this is what happens
4: And it's going to be Kevin Tumley who has been hauled out Kevin Tommedy being sent to the sin bin, can't quite see uh, who's being sent for Australia, it was 10 minutes that he signalled and less than 10 minutes in the game obviously. Both yes, both Kevin Tommedy and Greg Darling both in the sin bin. He's got a little bit of flair around the nose. <laughs> One imagines they'll be able to sort things out. Up, but he hasn't lost his sense of humour. Or has he? She's on again. Well, it was always going to be on between these two. But this, oh, this is not good. They should stop this in a hurry. Hugh McGann going over to uh, try and break it
3: up. That's classic. Hugh McGann runs over to try and get a piece of it and quickly gets dragged back by the officials because that would have just taken it to the next level. But it had so many elements in it, of course, Dowling versus Tarmody fighting at Lang Park. You are right, Stephen yeah. McIver. <laughs> block a roach beforehand, like a big melee in the middle before they go off together. And block a roach is just swinging for yeah, the fences. Yeah, you
2: know what? I I a long time ago I used to quite enjoy that whole thing, right? But I'm not so sure anymore. Bring back the biff? Yeah, I know. Not a fan. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the fan anymore. I when I think about it and the damage that can be done, right? Then you sort of have to start asking asking the questions I would though yeah maybe this is maybe this is being hypocritical but I wouldn't mind the shoulder charge coming back <laughs> <laughs> so you want a little bit of violence I want a little bit a little a little well Sonny bill Williams made his uh, was uh, one of his big hits was the shoulder charge. His was a front-on shoulder charge, which yeah. so I thought it was quite strong—not a not side-on. But then again, you're talking about doing damage to the 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 person that's tackling, and then the the person that is tackled as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I what if
3: you like the biff like ice hockey? It's almost like it's a it's a controlled biff.
2: Well, th- this is what I don't understand. But they but oh, wow. the guys do get seriously injured. They, they get, do, but uh, if two
3: people want to fight each yeah. other, <laughs> then if you have some rules around it, like, right, you guys can go for it, but you're both getting straight sent to the bin for 10 minutes, um, and it ends once someone drops on the ground. So you face up you, you face up to each other, and you have a
2: biff like the ice hockey. See, I, fi- I find... It's too premeditated. Not premeditated. That whole biff where the enforcer goes in and sorts something out. I just find it a little bit. I almost find it comical, and I know it's not comical because a friend of mine's a a huge ice hockey fan. Yeah, the goons, they call them. They've become a a huge part of the game. I just don't get it. I think what I miss more in rugby league is that origin is not as gladiatorial as it used to be. Uh, the n r l is a tough competition anyway we know that and it's and it's and I'm not going to say it's been sanitized, but it has been and and quite rightly when it comes to headshots I'm not even going to argue that point yeah, right absolutely but i do i do i want to be a little hypocritical when it comes to origin because origin used to be about a little bit of biff.
3: I mean, just that pure hatred. You can't yeah. have all this rhetoric of hatred building up to a game, and then you get out there and someone hits someone late. You got to yeah, protect yeah, your playmakers. Yeah, yeah. oh, a... I don't
2: think about. I don't think a late hit's and, and the hit. I think if they want to have a scrap, let them have a scrap. Yeah. Not do not allow head highs and stuff like that. But if they if they want to have a bit of niggle, then let them have a bit of niggle. Yeah. Let it let it go. Even if you just let it, even if it's slappy slappies, because a lot of time it is a little bit slappy slappy. Right. Let them do that. And have some fun,
3: so who are we going to give this away to? we've had a, a lot of correct answers, haven't we about five five uh, or six um i th-
2: i I think i oh, yeah I think the underplayed one here is uh it comes from i think I think it's uh, where was it? it was oh yeah I think it's Bruce Bruce goes, Greg Dell and Kevin have a little discussion on the way to the descend. <laughs> So I think, what does Bruce win, by the way? 50 bucks from the TAB. Well, there you go, Bruce. Well, congratulations. You are a winner. 50 bucks from the TAB saying, quite rightly, that Lang Park, Greg Daly and Kevin have a little discussion on the way to the sin bin. It's one thirty-eight. Coming next, Doug Bollinger on the Ashes. 1.43 this Monday afternoon with Stephen McCarver. Time to go across the ditch and talk to our good friend, former Australian fast bowler, Doug Bollinger. G'day, bud. How are you? G'day, guys. How you going? Thanks for having me. No, you are more... Thanks for spending some time with us, mate. I mean... <laughs> how, right, mate. how good is Test cricket right now, across the board? I mean, there's something in the water, because it's, it's such a good watch.
10: Absolutely, yeah. I, I think the Sydney Test was unbelievable. It, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Poms will be, you know. It, for what they've been through the past, you know, month or five weeks, I think I think they'll take that, you know, gritty draw out and, and go into Hobart with a little bit more confidence, but... Yeah, Test cricket's unbelievable at the moment, and and even if we talk about the Bangladesh versus you guys, like that that was a great comeback win by the Bangladeshis. So yeah, cricket's in a good spot.
2: Yeah, I mean when you think about the the, the Test that just can be completed in Sydney, last ball of the last day, Steve Smith, the batsman, bowling to James Anderson, a bowler.
10: Yeah, that was that was that was a funny decision that, but the, the light must have got a bit dark for all the quicks and 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 I think you know Paul Rifle and. Um, very good umpire. So you just got to roll with the punches. They they almost got there. They have got a nick Steve
2: Smith. You just couldn't get that last one. Were you happy with the res- result? Were you comfortable with a draw out of that one?
10: Oh mate, obviously I would have loved Australia to win, but um, but yeah, like oh, I think that's what Test cricket is—the very last over, very last ball of the fifth day. Um, you know, if we go back to last season, what happened with India at the Gabba? Um, that's exactly what happened with there. So. No, it was good to see. And it was good to see people still at the cricket. I thought they were wonderful.
2: Doug, everybody's got an opinion on this English side. What do you? Where do you put this English side? Are they are they rubbish or are they just having a bad run?
10: Oh, I don't think they're rubbish, mate. They're missing. They're missing two two genuine quicks. Their injury that they probably would have relied on. Um, I, think the way this, I think the way the I think the way the the test series started. Um, <laughs> First ball of the first test of the first day, of the first morning. That that didn't really set him up too great, but um, it, it was you know that, that's the nature of the beast. That's why we love the game. So yeah, well, I just got my easy up of my truck and just started playing on. Um, but you know, it, it's it's good, mate, and, and that's what you want to watch in test cricket.
2: did do, do you feel that Australia may have waited too long to declare?
10: Oh mate, that, that hindsight's a powerful drug, isn't it, mate? And, and and I'm not a captain, but I don't think so. I think you got to you got to take the time. I think we lost a few overs through weather and things like that. So um, uh, you just got to take those kind of things into consideration. And 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 that's just a game. Like if they had it got you know if they had it got James Anderson out yesterday afternoon, it would have been a different story.
2: Where have you guys been hiding, Scott Boland? Another strong test, seven <laughs> wickets in, <laughs> and the seven wickets in this one.
10: Mate, I, I've been a big fan of him for years, him and Michael Nessa. Um, Barry has been around for a long time and he's, he's one of those bowls that just gets it done. He hits the wicket so hard. He's big and strong. Um, and, and it's, and it's good to see. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be, I don't want to be the selector, um, to see what happens in the next series if they're going to drop him or not. But, um, it, it's just good to see, you know, he took his opportunity, didn't he? Um, he, he, he took it and he's got with, Grabbed it with both hands, and it's going to be very, very hard for him to get um, to, to move out of the way.
2: I, I think the interesting story for me is that of Usman Khawaja in and out in and out of this this test side, and but every time you put him in, he goes and just goes, "Yep, I can do this," and drops another ton on you.
10: Yeah, absolutely, mate. And he batted so well, and that's just another one. Just took his opportunity, and 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 they're not the worst problems to have with um, with test cricket, but. Um, you know, he—he. He, I think, you know, I—I I feel bad for him, but I think Marcus Harris will get dropped and Usman will go up to open our next test. I wouldn't do it.
2: Oh, okay. You would. You—you don't think that? Uh, oh, so he—he will play him with Travis Head coming back from COVID.
10: Oh yeah, I think so. And it's very hard to, very hard to drop um, Cameron Green after he batted so well the second innings and he's bowling. He bowling gets him over the line as well. But you know, I'm, as I said before, I'm not a selector, but. So, um, I think that's probably the, the the best way of looking forward. Why the average
2: is ninety over and in the batting in test cricket? Yeah, fair play. Well, but what what is it about yeah, what is it about Kawaja that you know he can't hold the spot?
10: Oh mate, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't say hold the spot, but you know that can just be a little bit of form. Maybe back in the day, um, you know, test cricket test cricket can be very very up and down. It can be very emotional and. I think at that time he might have just might, might have just fallen out of a bit of form with his batting, but um, what can you do? It, it, that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, but he batted well in Sydney. I was out there Saturday at the Test game, so I took my little boy out, and that was great to watch. So that's um, just one of those things where form form can come in and out, but you know he came good at the right time.
2: What what can we expect in Hobart?
10: Oh, I think you can expect a wicket with some pretty good grass on it, but. Um, I'd just like it to be good weather, to be honest. Um, the weather down in Hover can be a little bit up and down, but I, I reckon I hope it's going to be nice weather and and a, and a really
7: good contest.
2: All right, mate. we well, be pr-
7: politically correct.
10: Yeah,
2: yeah, mate. Yeah, could you could you say could you say it any better than that? Hang on, I'll take that we're, <laughs> we're, we're, that fence post that you're sitting on. I hope it's not too uncomfortable.
10: no. no, no that's <laughs> all right, mate, Obviously, obviously, I want the Aussies to win, you I know, like that. I do feel for Joe Root. Um, I like because you can tell he's trying his guts out. He's trying to help his, his, his players out as much as he can. It just doesn't work. So, uh, obviously, losing Josh Butler with his finger going home now, they're, they're just just one of those, you know, series where they're just, I think they'll be happy to forget.
2: Yeah, I think it's get us out of here. We've had enough. All right, mate. Hey, Doug, thanks so much for your time and enjoy the rest of your summer.
10: All right,
2: thank you, guys. Have a great day. Cheer, yeah, mate. There's this Doug Bollinger. He sounds like a good Aussie lad, doesn't he? Eh? He's just one of those guys that just yeah takes the sound of the crick and get on with it and, and don't muck around. And uh, I, I I love the Australian attitude because when it comes down to it, was it a fair result? Well, no one ever likes to draw. You always want to win the test. It's it's, it's ingrained in the Australian sporting psyche. The one thing that that, that is that is quite clear. It's win. And there's nothing else that matters. (laughs) So that was Doug Bollinger. Um, Just a a little thought here, and I'm thinking out loud. Uh, It's interesting to note that Moana Pacifica uh, are back, well, finally training, and they're a bit late when you think about it because uh, their first game is coming up on the 18th of February, right? So that's, that's a little over about five weeks away. And they're up against the Blues at Mount Smart which is obviously the perfect way to start a new super rugby Pacific season. I did find out, by the way, that the Fijian Drua, who faced the Waratahs that same night, it looks at this particular point in time that the Fijian Drua are going to base themselves in Australia to start it. how do i know this because my friend works in television in australia and he's been contracted to figure out where they can play their games and then they'll they'll try if everything works out they're going to play some in fiji all things being equal but again like a number of new teams they're going to have to play in australia so that waratahs fiji and Druid match looks like it's going to be i think upper upper new south wales I could be wrong. All I know is it's, it's definitely going to be in Australia. But the thing with me with Moana Pacifica, John, is I'm beginning to... They, they were dealt a tough blow by all the other franchises locking up all the rock stars, right? Yeah. So I wonder what our expectation is of Moana Pacifica against what their expectation is.
3: Well, 80% of their players need to be Manu Samoa or Tongan eligible. And we know where they sit in the world rankings, right down there, like right 13th and 15th or something. And the All Blacks put 100 on Tonga. So they're dealing with already 80% of their talent pool needs to be from two nations that aren't very strong. And then after that, they take the leftovers from the NPC that the other five New Zealand franchises already cherry picked, have
2: up. cherry picked already, or already had on contract. I wonder though if we could use the um, the Sunwolves as a, as an example of getting better as it goes on. They've got a very good coach in Aaron Major. Yeah. Philo Teotia is no slug as well, right? Yeah. I mean, their, their coaching staff is good. The question will will be right from the get go because expectation from local fans will be high. Uh, is that Can they do a job? (sighs) Well, they're going to have a great
3: vibe. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure at Mount Smart out there, they'll have a great vibe. It'll be a great occasion. There'll be a great culture and feeling around the team. But that only lasts for so long.
2: That'll last two, three weeks. If yeah. They, if they start – well, you okay, so you go back to 1995 when the Warriors had their very first game, right? Oh, yeah. Against the Brisbane Broncos. And the buzz was there, and then it just slowly faded they away. They had a pretty
3: good season that year, the Warriors. Well, they they, they would have made the playoffs if they didn't field an extra player against, against West the Western Tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: Western Suburbs Magpies, yeah. Yes, all yeah. right,
3: all right, all right. But all right. then the years after that were tough, and I, and this is bad with COVID and us not being able to play the Aussie teams because Minor Pacifica, I think, would have beaten the Force, would have beaten the Rebels, mm. or at least competed. But now they've got to play all the New Zealand teams, and there's not a bad New Zealand team, Stephen. And the Blues, they've got the Blues first up, and the Blues have been building, and they've got Bowden back. And they're looking song, strong and solid. So that first up wow. game, I hope Moana Pacifica don't get blown out, but I think they will
2: be. Are you reading from your Blues playbook or your Blues Bible? Look at look at you. It's like, oh, my gosh, you hand on heart, and you're a red and black, and you sound like you're a Blues supporter. Oh, my gosh. It's I
3: support w- Leon McDonald.
2: No, yeah,
3: fair play. Good One, Tasman, man.
2: No, see, so you can't help yourself. It's 153. <laughs>